All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Shit Talk. Here we are tonight is the uh, 30th of August. You know what that means. There's only a uh, couple more months of shopping left for Christmas for me. And uh, we got, fuck you, Kyle. Where'd you come from? We're Kyle. Kyle's here. We got Kyle back. Kyle, what's going on in your world today? How much? You? Well, you know, we just thought tonight we're we're going to try and catch up on what's going on. Um, we got this weird evacuation alert, which wasn't a notice, but an alert. Yeah. Yesterday evening. And we were out doing business and running around far from home going, what the fuck? What kind of business? Uh, we, we agreed we're going to re relocate. It's big business. Big business, yeah. Figure out how to flush the toilet in the new place, you know? That kind of business. Yeah. It's a different outhouse. setup. It's more like Easy. a Vietnam outhouse, yeah. 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 Sounds about right. We yeah. could call it How that. you doing, Blaine? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, man. Just yeah. hanging. Good to hear you. Worked all day, and here we are. Yeah. What kind of work were you doing today? Taxi action today. Oh, yeah. They're not paying us. We shouldn't really mention them on the podcast, but that's fine. I found ways to edit that shit out. The, well, you just uh, asked me where I was working. so I Oh, well, you could have said, you know, <laughs> driving around, zipping around, you know, whatever. I Yeah, I was just more, <laughs> more, I wanted more vague of a description. We never did get to ask you on the last podcast because you ducked out really early. But we have a famous question we have to ask all of our guests, and that's where do we go from here? So, Kyle, we, we need just, and that could be anything you know just one of those questions where do we go from here great depression that's optimistic i like it <laughs> i don't know <laughs> the first thing that popped in my head was in here um no the world's fucked i don't know uh, we go to an election i think that's next isn't it and then in when when right now. yeah i don't know <laughs> We yeah, got, he's out doing his thing, but we got two more years, don't we? I don't know. Is he going to last that long? Well, I mean, he has so far. What's stopping it's crazy. him? Crazy. Yeah, it's true. Well, um, I mean, like, like Jagmeet's holding him up, so they've got a majority government. There's no reason for them to call true. an election because they are like rock bottom in the polls. So it's like they don't confer any benefit from that. I think they got just got they got they got two years of great reset coming in, and that's just all that's that's what we got to strap in for. I I don't know what what else could cause what else could cause it? Uh, people rioting? Like what forces an election now? Nothing because the, the the parties have full confidence. The NDP don't look good in the polls. It's not like they've had a stellar term. So like it's it's all a true. dumpster fire. It's the Kelowna yeah. dump on fire. <laughs> it's that's the metaphor uh, again yeah it's manifesting yeah so there you go we burn that's where we go from here everything you guys see this this white plastic fence if we're if we're going to talk about local events in the Kelowna fire i want to mention the, the the dump caught on fire fourth time i think in a month anyhow at the same time there was a raging wildfire and they almost converged at a point or the dump jumped the the road and caught those houses on fire, but there's a white plastic fence 
that's hardly Still melted. standing. They don't burn those things. They literally <laughs> don't burn. They they melt. If the if the fire gets hot enough, they melt. Yet I'm looking yeah. at at video the boards were like fence. I drove by there today. They did this. They did yeah. the curve, right? But they didn't. They didn't disintegrate. Yeah. And yeah. yet we we look at video from Maui where these cars melted, and I'm like, what? Like why did why were they made of this plastic white fence material? Right. Mm. No, I'm probably one of the only people to think that way. But uh, in reality, well, why I mean, now it was just a hard that fire, white plastic fence material. If the house was covered in that white plastic fence material, you know, okay. the house one thing I didn't that. know is how fucking unfire safe roofs are. Like asphalt roofs, dude. Uh, an ember can fall on an asphalt roof and it's like oh it's fire time what the fuck are we thinking making our roofs out of that shit what are they, well it's it's good at beating off the sun and some rain but like it can't it can't handle an ember what a piece of paper that's on fire like what are we you're talking about you're better off with bamboo shingles probably you're probably better off with bamboo shingles plastic Plastic, of course. Well, the white plastic fence. We should go and salvage that. Way, way to catch that yeah. one, buddy. Way to catch. Yeah. It. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's a big business right there, man. I just—they look like shit. Could you imagine like PVC looking shingles on a house? It looked terrible. Yeah. You'd have to make them in somehow. You can make it cool. So, what are you guys talking about tonight? Well, we need, we have a lot of shit to bring up. Actually, I made a list, and there's at least three points on it. But uh, yeah, the NPCs, you know what those are—the people mm -hmm. on social media that are pretending to, and they're making like insane money, like six and a half. Well, okay, so what is it like four and a half? No, yeah, about four 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 thousand dollars an hour. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Staring at their it's cell playing. phone, and when people are watching them on their cell phone, they're like, "Oh, here, try this ice cream." Oh, here, have a have because you can send these gifts through the app. And so okay, so just picture this. No idea what you're okay, so okay, imagine TikTok. this. This is a big like TikTok a, trend. Yeah, a live TikTok, right? And it's just a, a person, and the only actions that they're doing are like a set. They have a set little set phrase for every type of donation you give. So if you you buy this donut or whatever or like any any kind of uh, emoji you essentially buy so you can share it into the feed and that's how like the content creators make money or something and so you send them a donut or whatever and they go ah thanks for a donut and then somebody sends them a donut ah thanks for a donut and like they'll just do it on repeat and so they're like a non-playable character in a video game where like you have one action and there's a set response from like an old video game that didn't have like you know, generative text, it just had a set phrase. It's like, yes, no, maybe. And it had a, you know, a set phrase so for each of those. Confused. This is a thing. Where am I been living? So yeah, this is real? So it'll just go on and on. And it's just like, they have, sometimes it's like, I, I saw one where like, it was this like small, small woman with like elf ears and she was all dressed up like Tinkerbell or some shit. And uh, she was just like, yeah, like flawlessly, like making the exact same noises. Like, oh, thanks so much. Oh, thanks so much. And it's just like, Anyway, they do really weird shit. Yeah, I don't get it. Weird. Uh, I don't no, know. I don't get it either, but 
people watch it and they get fascinated with it and they start throwing donuts at people and ice cream cones and all kinds of shit and they're making money. They, they pretend to be an animated character, right? So they're just standing there like a robot and that's that's the whole thing. That's the whole shtick. But now the guy, this guy's leveled up and he's actually pretending like he's going into public places and pretending to be an animated character. And so he'll just stop in the supermarket. He'll walk in the supermarket, kind of robotic, very, you know, um, what do you call it? Uh, what's that game? Grand Theft Auto-ish? The way he moves and <laughs> runs and everything. Oh, yeah, it's great. And then yeah. he'll stop in like a sim in the Sim City games. He'll just stop and go, hello. <laughs> just, hello. Just wave to people randomly. That is awesome. That shit I love, man. But, um, yeah, it's incredible what they're making off of these because I think they created these tokens as a way of, of really, you know, um, monetizing TikTok itself because they keep half of that money when you when you convert it into tokens and then you use that TikTok money to, you know, make these 14, 15 year old freaking robotic freaking idiots a good healthy chunk of savings i hope i don't know it's crazy i don't get it the chinese are just so good at destroying the west it's amazing <laughs> yeah. everything else we'll just give them a little tiktok raise everybody goes a little fucking crazy so i do 50 percent is hefty yeah who else pays for their nukes who else pays for their nukes yeah the Chinese. No, I don't, I don't get it, man. What are they buying nukes? TikTok, TikTok, Chinese stuff. No. Oh, okay. It's like the Chinese yeah. version of the nuke is the TikTok yeah. shit. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Like, Sorry, that went see. right over my head. I don't know why. <laughs> no, but they're just bombing us with all this bullshit. Yeah. This is what they're doing now. They're freaking, you know, look over here. But guess what we're doing over here? You dumb fucks. We're gonna take over the world. Yeah, silent yeah. deadly, man. Yeah. I'll be quiet now because nobody knows what the fuck I'm talking about. So, well, Where do we go from here, though, Kyle? I don't know. Back to that question. I do like your, your immediate answer there of uh, recession. Or wasn't it? Uh, it wasn't recession. It was Great, great Depression. Is great Depression. Yeah, great, great, this. great <laughs> Depression. So, like, do you think? Know. Do you think in the? Do you think in the Great D Depression, the finance minister would act like Christian Freeland acts? Like, did, did you guys see that video that <laughs> comes along today? Could you imagine oh in, in, in no. 1929, the finance minister goes out there and they're like asking her, they're like, "So you labeled the states as an unsafe place to travel for LGBTQIA plus communities, and then just." vomit out word salad that has nothing to do with it whatsoever yeah. like i don't think that would fly people were pretty angry in 1929 and so we're <laughs> you know yeah now we're all just dumb and playing on tiktok now we well, now we can watch that <laughs> finance minister do that shit and we're like okay you can keep your job Burger. and that's totally normal yeah it's what, the what same did she i missed it oh well she she literally and that was the question right because they the the canadian government had labeled uh the states as an un, uh, on the travel advisory they issued a travel advisory to the united states for members of the lbgbqia plus community and uh and then, so, and then she got no and then she got asked about it in an interview and she 
is like yeah. nothing out. Like she, her whole face, she's doing that whole hit that, that you remember the, like the Hitler speeches where he's like doing the, da, 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 and he's like, he's, his his face is like completely contorting. He's, he's so speeded out. She's doing that. She's like riddling, riddle, like the riddling queen out there. And, uh, and then she just proceeds to answer it by saying, well, like, well, I, when I was proud to serve as the, as the minister for foreign affairs or whatever, this happened uh you know all the time they do a really good job and the, the people are dedicated They're, the government pays these people to sit there and find out what's going on in these countries so we can issue prompt travel advisories and i strongly support the work that they've done and just like evades the question but goes on for like two minutes it was it was crazy well then she says the governments didn't communicate and that's the issue is that the governments can't communicate and get along isn't that the speech I thought because that's the one I heard. It was so long and drawn out, though, that I had <laughs> nothing to do with times. that. I watched it. I think eight times before I realized it was a it was the same speech eight times. <laughs> but yeah, didn't she say something about the the issue is the governments aren't don't connect it, with one another the, and they they don't talk to one another properly. That sounds like her in Alberta. She was talking. I think in that clip, I didn't oh. see that one, but that sounds like. When she's talking about the whole Alberta thing, because Alberta's beefing with the feds right now. Okay, which they should. We should all. I think what we need to do is just okay. Here's a quick restructure. No more Fed. Fed, you look after fucking Quebec because that's who you look after, and Fed can have Quebec, and the rest of us all just go sovereign. Every province goes sovereign. It's that simple. And then we get rid of the World Economic Forum because. No province is going to say, "Yeah, let's sign an agreement with these assholes." We should well, all BC might. We want our RSP money back, <laughs> right? Our CPP um, investment back, right? Why are we allowing them to interfere with the CPP as the CCP? Oh, the CPP. I guess. I guess it's that easy, right? It's just keep those in line. It's a what do you call it? Um, obsessive compulsive yep, disorder one. issue. Yeah. Where you have to keep them in line, the CCP and the yeah CUP and all that. ICP, so. ICPP. Uh, speaking of which, did you guys? Uh, you see, that's going to be like when Pierre, if if Pierre uh, becomes like prime minister, they'll be like, because you know sometimes people are like, oh, did you see JT today or whatever, you know? But like with with Polyev, it's going to be, did you see PP today? <laughs> GCRPP, <laughs> such a good PP. <laughs> well, and it's the Conservative Party of Canada, right? It's the CPP. PP, isn't CPP? it? Is it CPP? Is it the Conservative Party? What is it? CPC? CPC? What am I saying? It's CPC. Did you see PP on CPC? Hey, on the CBC. Oh here's shit! One that I watched. <laughs> The CBC has a news network, so it's the CBCNN, I'll be right back. and it's all fucking commercials. So, yes, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll catch up with you in a bit there, Kyle. He's speaking of PP. We made him have to tinkle, probably. But um, It's like the sound of water. Yeah, I just found this fucking channel, actually, um, surfing through the cable box, because I don't usually do that. And, yeah, we have a CBCNN. So I kind of chuckled at that name, but it's 98% commercials. I fell asleep in an hour because I'd watched maybe, I don't know, 15 minutes of freaking news. The rest was all just commercial. And I'm like, how are they getting government funding 
when it's all commercial anyways. But why aren't you just on the internet, man? What you got a cable box for? Like what? Come well, on. Who's, we who's, do that. Well, we have one of those Cody boxes, but I don't have anyone technologically advanced enough to help me set it up, man. And last <laughs> time I did it myself and it took like almost a day. It was probably seven hours, eight hours before I was able to figure it out and get it all set up proper. And I'm so worried I'm going to click the wrong thing and be, you know, in trouble. But You know, there's apps that work now, right? You don't need to run that whole Cody box thing anymore. What? What? Yeah, dude, oh, it's boy. just the internet. Yeah, You've always been able to watch everything you yeah. want on the internet for free. Like, it's always been an option. You just get a VPN and, you know, you download it or you you stream it. Or you don't get a VPN <laughs> and you get a you get a little uh, hey stop it from the the internet company every once in a while they'll send you a letter saying stop it and then nothing ever happens it's amazing have you ever heard of somebody uh, you know how many people I know will just stream shit and watch it online and download it do you know how many of them I've heard of going to jail for it zero there is I, no they had a roommate happen. once that racked up like a five thousand dollar bill on the internet because he was downloading the universe but he was like a very <laughs> tacky guy yeah we got all these overages on the fucking internet bill on the uh what do you call it the uh cable bill at the time and that was through telus i'm pretty sure so it would have been a phone bill technically Oh, and that was just from, from torrenting shit or what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah, he and the games, freaking movies, everything. Yeah, right? He was downloading. Yeah, okay. Every time. When they. LimeWire. Fuck. Well, this was just after that. She, yeah, it was, it was more torrenting stuff through like Pirate Bay or whatever the fuck it was at the time. But yeah, that was crazy. And they were like, we have a whole list of the things that he's downloading. Most people watch maybe 10 movies a day. If if they're you know watching TV nonstop, they watch about ten movies a day. Jesus, which we allow. We allow enough time. To, we allow people to like download or stream ten movies a day, but he is downloading like a hundred times that every day. And they explained how it was like you know he can't necessarily even consume that much that he's as much as he's downloading right so do they admit that they, they don't were concerned about small amounts of pirating but large amounts of pirating was exactly the issue? exactly yeah okay, but well just don't overdo it guys yeah and, and use a fucking vpn a and, then, no good. and you're fine you <laughs> just get a vpn don't be an idiot don't be stupid Wish we had a Drugs VPN sponsor just so I could plug him. I mean, God, VPNs are the shit. Maybe need one. So we should talk to Prime Minister, yet he was here in Kelowna. None of us hit him with a freaking pie in the face. Why is that? Because that's a hate doing? crime. Meet anybody, really, that supports that individual. I don't know about you guys. You guys work in public as well. Do you, do you ever meet many people that are like, oh, if only... If only the conservatives would just back away and let freaking Trudeau do what he needs to do. No, it's it's almost no. a topic of conversation in every single interaction I have in the public. <laughs> and I have about eight to ten to fifteen interactions a day, sometimes for extended periods of time, ranging from the ten to twenty minute range. And uh, in that time, you can really 
dig in and like find out what people think. And no one thinks Trudeau is good. I old ladies, young ladies, young dudes, old dudes, middle-aged people. I think the only one, well, middle-aged men, middle-aged women might have a little bone to pick. But even then I had a uh, interaction with four of them for quite a while. And all of them hated Danielle Smith. They were all Albertans, but they also very much hated Trudeau. So that was nice to see. Yeah, well, there's, you know, somebody made this statement actually um, today that, and I found it quite, um, quite true in a way where he shouldn't even be prime minister. He should step down just on the basis he's going through a divorce. Like, what a better, what a better reason. And why would he? Her, why would he give up power? Why? Yeah, I know this goes back. Well, to the that's floor. the why? only. That's why? the only reason why he wouldn't. But in all honesty, if he was looking after our best interests, we as the people would appreciate being allowed to be led by somebody who's not distracted by their personal fucking problems. Yeah, but Nate, if my mother had wheels, she'd be a bicycle, right? It's just a. It, he's not going to give up power, man. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> why would he okay. you're gonna go out it's like you, you're doing the math okay, this is head. this is his last it's not like he's gonna run for re-election <laughs> if if like there's an election called like do you think he's gonna run again i don't think so i think he has to because like the party is hemorrhaging so it's like pretty much ride this burning bus out right to the fucking end you got to get you got to get that economic forum agenda right to the finish line you got two years and, and you got to go and like they're running out of time, they're going to need a, we're going to need climate lockdowns or something here. Well, it is interesting that this perceived lockdown coming up mid September has kind of been called off. This um, we talked about Apollo Tabor. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that guy, but he was trying to get everybody to strike here for September first. But apparently, his background's pretty shady when you start looking into who the guy is and and what the hell his you know. He's, he's an op man but, but it's one of those there's he's not the only one there's other people out there uh, big influencers that are trying to convince people to you know at least spend a couple days not spending money try and practice not doing transactions because the less you freaking vote with your dollar the less power they have over you the less control they have over what what you're up to right it's like spending cash same thing but find places that appreciate you spending cash. Find places that'll give you a discount for spending cash. Right, but it's kind of, kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face. Like they're fucking with the economy, but like that makes everything worse for everybody. So slowing down the economy is certainly not, you know, to like mm -hmm. to like intentionally like shop less, to like at thumb your eye in, in the government is like, well, that's kind of what keeps your little your little circle alive, right? The more transactions, the more wealth there is. But I mean, you can be wise about it and spend it locally, so it like generates in your own system. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it might be wise to spend some uh, less money in the sense that like you need to save money because bad times are coming, and that would be useful. And I wouldn't save it in money; I'd save it in silver or gold. Which brings us to our sponsor, of this podcast, which is Sun City Silver and Gold Exchange, brought to you, uh, or they're bringing us to you. Yeah, no, I'm going the wrong way. Uh, they're our sponsor, and they. Uh, they're going to give you a good deal on silver and gold if you use the promo code shit talk. And that's a great way to protect your money instead of holding on to money for the dark times that are coming ahead. Like I was just alluding to. 
Uh, Kyle's trying to cut you off. I think he has to run somewhere. He's got to go. Got to go run with that JT guy. He's got to go. Not he's got to go CPP. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, time for time for the kids to go to bed. So, all right. duties are on. So, yeah. Nice chat. Well, good luck. Nice talking to you, man. Yeah. Yeah. Diamond tap chicken recipe. We need you to share it with uh, with uh, Mike there next time you're. Okay. okay. Cheers. Sounds good. I have no idea what you're talking about, but cool. Okay. Bye. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and that was uh, reaching out to Sovereignize. Yeah, Sovereignize at gmail.com. That's S-O-V-E-R-E-I-G-N-I-Z-E at gmail.com. And that's how you're going to reach out to them. Or you're going to find them on the corner of Bernard and Gordon here in Kelowna. But reach out by email. They'll ship you anywhere and get you the best prices on silver and gold going. Promo code shit talk. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Mm-hmm. And there we go. Um, so, so, yeah. So Kyle had to leave. It was good for Kyle to come in and catch up because we really did need to... Uh, follow up with him and in, in the question that he never answered last time he was on but thanks uh, again fuck you Kyle for coming on to shit talk um yeah I don't know maybe we'll have somebody else come on on next uh next little segment here I'll check my messages and stuff but uh it probably won't be Victor Orban but he's a pretty cool dude Victor yeah Victor Orban he's the uh like the president of Hungary no, what's going on? He's, I was he, he just did an interview with Tucker Carlson, and uh, it was like he's a pretty cool dude. He's pretty, pretty woke to shit going on. Did a great interview. Really broke down the whole Russia-Ukraine conflict from like the perspective of Hungary. And he's like, the West is keeping this war from uh, from from settling in peace. Like yeah. Ukraine is just losing men in a meat grinder. And like you know, a guy of pretty high repute in the sense that I guess he's like a world leader. And so you know. Interesting to see his take and what his take on, you know, what, how, how the Hungarians felt. And like he was elected despite the United States spending millions of dollars of taxpayer dollars to try and get him not elected because they don't like him so much. So he's obviously worth someone worth listening to a little bit. And uh, yeah. Well, there's quite a few like that, though, out there right, right now, it seems. There are more and more people standing up. They got 500 plus scientists that are have admittedly said this whole climate um crisis is a joke right from the start and if anything we're not helping um by continuing to play this game and blaming the west for you know all the problems of the globe and the patriots and it's a stupid it's a stupid model to you know and there's no actual um plan in place to say that we're fixing this you know mm -hmm doesn't matter how less or how much more we pollute. We're not really the problem here unless we pollute to the extent of these other countries, such as China, Indonesia, right? India. Well, hey, I think I think stopping too much pollution is great. I just don't think carbon dioxide is, is enough pollution to change the globe. I just think the pollution in the sense of like the chemicals we breathe is something that if we're going to regulate anything, that would be the thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... It's also amazing. Okay, so I know what, what were we talking about before. Yeah, JT was here, you know, talking about the forest fires, but not in Yellowknife. I wanted to bring that up before uh, we got too far into discussion about shit. But um, I also wanted to bring up, um, we were just talking about it. The... I was going to introduce... 
into yeah i need to i need to bring that up just give me a second here i need to figure out this so no doubt it was about something we've already talked about the cbc so that's probably why i was drawing a blank or anyhow listen to the radio and they have a specialist on there talking about the wildfires and this is that as it happens i think or, or ask me anything program so they bring the specialist on and she's talking about the wildfires and she says, first off, the amount, because somebody called in and asked, I believe, about how many wildfires there were that were human caused. And so she starts off by saying a minimal number of fires are human caused. Um, and then she, and then she goes on to describe the way that people, humans, cause fires. And most of that is accidental, right? So she talks about ATVs in the brush. She talks about... Uh, loggers out there running equipment or people out there trying to gather resources or cleaning up the property running equipment um she talks and then you know so she goes uh campfires not properly extinguished or people smoking while out on a hike kind of thing and and this kind of shit right and then she she somehow in the same breath says right at the end yeah so but statistically 50 percent of the wildfires are human caused so i just couldn't help but think to myself like you just said a minimal number and then you finish you know you finish off by, but which is about half right yeah. so, i mean there's 49 percent are human caused like as like think about that as much as like as much as lightning right right like what else is causing fire in nature some glass on the ground probably human caused like what else is causing fire spontaneous combustion I guarantee that's like what one percent of fires. I'll bet you a dollar to a donut. It's going to be lightning strikes for the majority of the other half, though. Holy shit! But yeah, there's lots of fucking fire bugs out there, uh, and people that are probably intentionally setting fires. I mean, how many how many times have like has it been like the fireman's kid or like somebody adjacent to the fire department in, in other places? I wouldn't say that about our glorious heroes over here, but it's like definitely happened. And I do have it on a pretty good authority that. A nearby township um, had a similar issue, and well, they all sorry, I should say the sim, the, the nearby town had an issue where uh, like they didn't want to just tell the public or anything, but they they accounted like like uh, eighty of the past uh, fires like in the in the bush uh, they suspect to have been like human caused. Like there's like a serial arsonist out there running around that's like intentionally lighting these things, and they can't catch this guy. But like the mo is always the same or something like that. And so they didn't want to like scare the public, but like the fact that they're even talking about 50%, it seems like a pretty huge acknowledgement that a lot of this is human cause. I guess they're not really saying that how much of it is arson. Did she say well, how much this is? What surprised me the most is that the interview, the interviewer did not ask her to clarify mm. when, you know, you've gone and said this and then you automatically or immediately say the opposite. That's kind of worrisome, you know? And it, it goes to stand about how, how yeah, how directive journalism is. Like, you're just supposed to excuse that last sentence, she says. And so carry she, on with, oh, yeah, but it's still the the minimal amount of 50%. Did she chime in on, like, the, uh, you know, like, the suppression and, like, forest management or anything like that? Or was yeah, it, like, climate change? Yeah, was discussed about forest management. But it always it's always, like, one of those, oh, but it's, you know, it's in legislation or whatever, you know. They always try to blame the politics about politics. And all we really want is 
a, a lady put it best and and she's an accomplished realtor and she's done this Instagram or TikTok or whatever. And she put it best that she's leaving the country, moving to South Africa where she does have dual citizenship because here she'll wait three years for her son to get his ears fixed. And he needs tubes put in his ears or whatnot because born deaf. And uh, whereas in Africa, it would be done in like three to six months. So why would you want to stay here when, when we have so many problems that have been a problem for a long time and all they seem to do is fight? There's never any progress being made. Well, did you, did you see the recent statistic that showed that 60% of a person's income gets spent on taxes? Yeah. Between income tax, GST, HST, carbon to, tax, all yeah. that shit. Yeah. Yeah. So 60%, like if you just were to stop and think about like all the money that you take home and then double it and then say, well, if I had that, would I part with half of it uh, for the services that I'm getting? Like if I were to like, you know, if you were to make the argument that like you actually had like a non-government like non enabled monopoly in healthcare, uh, like, you've, like they even have in the States, right? It's like these corporations are monopolized and, you know, bailed out or government assisted and like they get all these contracts from the government. So like, there's a lot of collusion there. I'm just saying in a, in a private enterprise scenario, do you think that it would cost half your income to get medical insurance? Right. So if something did happen to you, the insurance would cover it. I, I highly, highly doubt it. And in just in all the other facets of life of what we're paying for, when you're talking about 60% of your blood, sweat and tears, it's bombs for Ukraine. They can't get water to people. They can't keep a highway open. Like the, the services we're getting is pretty shoddy for, for, for 60% divided among all of us. Like that's a lot. And I just feel like the, we've got the highest crime rate that we've ever had and we're paying more for cops than we've ever had. Um, and like the shit we're paying for, like it's, it's just a, a money laundering operation. Like it's not, it's not, it's the, it, by the time it trickles through all the bureaucrats and the needless like jobs that are created by the government, uh, like there's, there's no money left for like the services, the interest on the national debts eating up a quarter at the very least of every dollar that you spend, uh, or to that you give to the government. So of your 60%, a quarter of that is going to service interest on the national debt that we didn't used to have that we didn't need to have but they're running the business poorly the gang is not operating efficiently they're taking more from people than pharaohs took in egypt right the boston tea party was over a three percent tax hike on on tea and and something else like uh people people were pretty angry about taxes, even a slight amount, because it's a leech. It's a drain on the individual, on society, on prosperity. And when you're not getting anything for it, the pharaohs of Egypt took 20%, I think, of the workers' toil, right? Pretty good, pretty good income tax by comparison, right? Uh, like the only cool place doing anything neat with income tax right now is Hungary, where they're, for every uh, child a woman has, it's like uh, she has to pay like, I guess like the first child's like a quarter less in income tax than after four children, she never has to pay in, in income tax for the rest of her life. Right. But like, this is still using it as if it's something that is uh, proper and can be given as an incentive to a certain group to encourage a certain behavior, like giving birth and, and increasing the population, for example, like it shouldn't be in the power for somebody to hold a gun to your head and take 60% of your income. Right. 
just flat out in general, especially if they're not giving you anything for it. And you didn't vote for that. And so when that, all that money gets spent and you don't even have a say of like, I want, like we live in 2023, you can do the most complicated things with apps so, so easily now. And it's like unforeseeable that when you pay your income tax, you could do it on an app and you could divvy it up to the different departments that you wanted to support. If you wanted to say, oh, I'm going to put this money in all in the Department of uh, Environment and, and Climate Change or whatever they renamed it to, or to put it into, uh, you know, into schools or into roads. But you're like, I am not putting it into anything military related. No foreign aid for me. Thanks. Like, and literally start to vote with your dollar. I mean, I mentioned this idea before. It, it's not that radical because it's like you're giving them the money and in a democracy, you're still not allowed to actually say like that's it is a vote, right? You could turn it into a vote. Doesn't that strengthen the whole concept of of democracy, of having the participation of citizens engaged in in the whole thing? So it's not run by just a select few people. And think about it, it. How hard would it be to have an online account, right? You have a bank account. You can put it into a checking account and a savings account where you send it to the government bank account, which is you know, for you, the money that you're putting in there, and you're like, I'm gonna put it in the Department of Education's account, I'm gonna put it in this account, it would be a piece of piss to do. And the fact that we don't do it, it's just like baffling to me with all of the talk of, of upholding democracy, we'll shut down uh, a trucker convoy, because it's a threat to democracy, right? But we can't ever like think that we improve the system so that people have more say, like, no, 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 you just vote for an unaccountable person for four years. And that's your say. And so like what, what a joke that is when we all know that you could have a deeper say, especially if they have the gall to tax you for 60% of your fucking money. You don't get it. You don't get to put it where it goes. Like it's a mafia holding a gun to your head saying, give me 60% and I'm going to wipe my ass with it. And there's nothing you can do about it. And you better like it. And you better voluntarily uh, tell us exactly how much you made, or we're going to send people after you to put you in prison. Like that's what we live in. It's insane. I had this strange question come to my mind this week, which is how much government money in the last five years has gone out to assist in the manufacturing of these paper straws that have recently been recalled and canceled. Have you heard, heard about this, Blaine? Yeah, I heard a tidbit. Tell me. Oh, yeah. Well, they contain freaking, what is it called? PFSAs? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Teflon. Yeah, forever but, chemicals. And worse, for and worse and worse, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, like that's like you never want to drink, you never want to get a to-go cup. That's got fucking PFAS all on the inside of it. But again, uh, if you were to go to the bank five years ago and say, I want to start a company making paper straws, oh, well, let's see if there's any government programs to incentive. Oh, look at this. We have this, you know, giving out money hand over fist for the stupid shit we were talking during the break about shrimp on a treadmill. There's actual millions of dollars being spent for scientists to study shrimp underwater on these little underwater treadmills to see how long a shrimp would actually travel underwater or how much time it would spend running if it, if it needed to or, you know. But, but if you solve that question, you solve the whole conundrum of inflation, Nate. Don't you understand? It's the most. Here's a, big, here's a bigger question. What's going on in that poor shrimp's mind? Naturally being born to freaking run on sand and actually cover distance to all of a sudden being trapped by this seemingly godlike, you know, entity and being placed on a, on a device that, you know, it couldn't even fathom. Never mind spending all that poor energy running to make up no, you know, 
distance whatsoever. So for the benefit of somebody else. Yeah. You just described humanity, bro. Really? So, <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, while we're on the topic of misappropriation of money, um, two money. Oh, we already covered Christy Freeland. So I got one money related thing. I learned a fact today from what one could describe as a uh, confidential informant. Uh, Perhaps. Anyway, anyway, uh, I I was told by somebody that might know uh, that one third of the tuition at the university here and on the coast uh, goes to kids from the global south. They bring them in for a free ride. And so you might think that's got to be a lot of kids from the global south. Between the two campuses, 73 kids. 73 kids command one-third of the tuition that everybody else is paying. I, I gobsmacked. So I did the numbers. And this was from somebody that like told me flat out exactly what was going on. Uh, average tuition, $20,000 a year at the university. A third of that is $6,666. Um, There's 72,585 kids attending those two universities, which equals $483,900,000 in revenue. uh, That's one third of the revenue from the 72,585 kids that go to the school. So that's how much money is going to 73 kids. $483,900,000. To 73 kids that's 6.6 million dollars 6.6 million dollars a year is allocated to kids from the global south uh to get a free ride at the universities in canada and so you think about the same concept of voting for your dollar you go in to buy a service you're like i'm going to this institution over here to buy a service of an education i i'll pay the money so i can get this degree for me so i can go and do better things and then yeah, tack on $6,666 on top of the 1300 and change that they would have been paying, right, which is probably an overly inflated price anyway, to fund somebody else's amazing journey. And this is all rides. It's not just tuition. This is like housing, food, uh, and, and the education for four years. So just like the, the scale, like... $400 million? That's half a billion dollars. Half a billion dollars from 72,000 people. What? It's, that's insane. Anyway, and I was told that it was from like the, it was part of the corporate governance of the uh, university. I just want something... to clarify, you said 72,000, not 72 students. Uh, there was, Sorry. There's 72,585 kids that attend both universities. Of those, 73 kids are from the Global South. So 72,585 kids pay one-third of their tuition, which is about $6,700 per year, and it goes into this huge slush fund to sponsor 73 kids from the Global South to come to the universities at a cost of 6,628, sorry, $6,628,787 per kid from the global South per year. Okay. 
So that but that money is staying internally within that organization, no? Like it's up to the university to it Well, I'm not saying pay, that they right? end I'm not saying that they end up spending the six million uh dollars on these kids, but by no means. I'm just saying that like that money's going somewhere and it's doing something, right? And that's a that's a shit ton of money. I'm sure you could bring a kid up from uh from Buenos Aires and huck him into a fucking huck him into an apartment building at the university in a goddamn penthouse, right? Feed him three great meals a day and uh and give him a free education, right? And I, the dollar value of that would probably be under a million. I, I don't think it would be six million. I, I'm just you know, if tuition for a regular person is 20 grand and uh, living accommodation is, say, 20 grand, uh, 30 grand for the year, right? Like, I, it's hard to imagine a million dollars, let alone 6.6. .6. So, like, there's a lot of there's a lot of people on that ladder that are getting some trickle down from that. And so yeah. but that's just think about that, dude, a third of the money that kids think that they're paying to get an education and they're just paying to think for like, for the time of the teachers, for the the building and like the some of the research and shit that goes on there, like whatever the company wants to do with it, that's the price that they command. But you feasibly expect that like the cost of that is to get an education and they're taking a third of it and just like in a charity. That's like, you know, when you go to the Save-On or a grocery store and you get to the chill and they're like, do you want to donate money to this foundation or whatever? That's like them just assuming that you will and, and saying that you have to in order to shop here you've whatever you 10 percent of your purchase is gonna go to the children's hospital and that's what's happening and you're like but i just wanted milk <laughs> and, and, and now i'm paying for you know some charity and it's like maybe it's a great charity maybe i don't want to spend 10 percent of my uh grocery bill at the charity though right and so it's the same thing when you go to like a university it's like there's not enough competition in the university markets they must be getting too much government funding or something because that's horseshit. Somebody should be able to offer a comparable service for a hell of a lot less because what if you've designed a university where your operating costs and your profit, you know, or your revenue generated off, off of, uh, off of these kids, like you didn't need, you could save yourself $6 million, uh, across all the students and like attract that much more business and make your campus all the greater, like it competition would solve this problem. So something is afoot here. This is, this is an obscene amount of money. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Yeah. And the garnish in itself is the unperceived value. You know, that the garnish is um is inappropriate because that's what it is. And they're trying to use that to inflate the value of that education, which they've successfully done. If mm -hmm. one third of that, you know, the the that course in itself should be worth X amount for said reason, not because one third of it is going to, you know, help like you said, Enrique Iglesias get his, you know, education or whomever, right? Like, um, I've discovered as well, there's, there's some, some folks that are very happy that the refugee system for them and getting their, um, their full citizenship hasn't been that challenging. So that's, it's good to hear that the, the government agent offices and stuff are working to get you know, their permanent residency and stuff for um, what I've heard is uh, education is is considered uh, free for or uh, sorry, a luxury for for a lot of people in refuge from Ukraine, for instance. But down here, it's actually not so challenging for them. So, you know, mm -hmm. I, I when I heard that, I said, well, great. I said, Are, were you able to get a family doctor? What's your shortcut? You know, so.
it's uh yeah it's crazy man like i said i'm i'm born in in canada i'm born not far from where i'm living now mm. and family doctor retired good luck getting a new one it's oh, impossible and then they tend to tell you to go to a freaking app and the app ain't working you know or go to a website well the website's not you know yeah, we're just hucking in warm bodies and we don't have enough infrastructure to, to support it. Mm-hmm. We don't have enough incentive for people to want to live here that are, you know, doctors and stuff. And the people we do import that are qualified, that have, you know, like great educations from huge universities in India, for example, doctors and stuff like that, they're not able to provide their services because there's not a competitive market. And uh, it's just a cry and shame because like people are sick and they're not getting the best treatment. That's just a fact. How could you, if, if your doctor is having to see it, you know, a hundred patients a day, right. And he's just overwhelmed. Like there's no time for individualized care. Nobody wants to sit down and be like, Hey, like, let's try and maximize your health. Here's what your blood set work says, like nothing preventative, right? There's no preventative medicine, no, uh, giving you like a little rundown and being like, okay, Hey, like this is, you got to change your diet a little bit or something like that. I guess uh, maybe that happens at a family doctor. I wouldn't know. I haven't had a family doctor since I was like six, dude. Oh. Well, though, yeah, you mentioned earlier, though, before the podcast there, um, you weren't sure if we talked about a, a certain case, speaking of medical oh, yeah, um, well, issues here in the country. Well, if, even if we have, it, it bears uh, reminding yeah. again, we definitely mentioned it in oh, the past so. because this uh, lady, I mean, it's happened to a few people, but she was the first one that was denied an organ transplant due to her vaccine status. She didn't take the mRNA shots. She thought it was too risky to her health because she was obviously with a liver or something like that. She was had a compromised immune system. She was not doing well. And so she didn't want to take the vaccine to make things worse. And in hindsight, she was completely correct. And, uh, and they denied her an organ transplant that was rightfully hers. She waited in line. This is the system we have. So, you know, she waited in line and she, she was uh, applicable. Her life could have been saved and the government chose to murder her. That's right. She paid, this, this woman paid her 60% for, I don't know, I think she was 43 or she could be older. I might have a number wrong, forgive me. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, she spent decades, uh, it's fair to say, uh, paying her dues, right, into this system, giving her 60%, and uh, someone comes along and for an arbitrary medical decision that, and, and this, wasn't, this wasn't long ago. This happened two months ago, a month and a half ago? Not even. Uh, well, she died rather she died two or three weeks ago i believe um because she didn't get this transplant that's how she was murdered uh but yeah it only happened i think maybe six seven eight months ago where she was up to get this so this is already at the end of the pandemic long after people realized that the vaccines didn't stop transmission uh you know didn't didn't protect you in any meaningful way had negative efficacy like this information was starting to get out there and even you know the CDC just admitted that the vaccines are making people more susceptible to viruses, uh, co- coronaviruses. So just go out and get your shots. And you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever, right? They're telling you that antibody dependent enhancement is happening. The virus is learning to attack people's bodies that are producing spike proteins, right? They are learning to hijack the antibodies that you made for the spike proteins that your body never stops producing because of the vaccines. And then it's hijacking that to be more susceptible to infect those people. And that's what they came out and said. So this lady didn't want that shit in her body for whatever reason. And, uh, and then the government killed her for it. So that's what it is, man. And her name uh, was Sheila Lewis. And 
Well, the the government, the society, this collective bullshit failed her. It failed her. She wasn't able to to live because she didn't take a shot. And I do I do happen to know that there are some uh, social media justice warriors out there um, trying to raise more attention for this as well as answers for answers for Sean. Mm. You know, um, quite related in a way, but but not as uh, uh, I, I want to call it prejudice because that's exactly what it is. Um, where we're supposed to be living in a time more progressive and inclusive, where we're actually getting a kick, it seems, out of out of creating these new rules um, for thee and not for thee. But um, it's the exact opposite. It is the, we're always lady. focused on we're always focused on people's differences now, right? This well, is well. It makes you wonder how many of these cases have happened that didn't get any attention. Because that person only had a couple friends or, you know, had a small circle or, or for whatever, whatever reason, Facebook decided to, you know, um, shadow ban them or whatnot. Right. Like, right. There's the other case with, with the gentleman, I believe he had a few kids as well. And then they immediately, like they denied him an organ. And then immediately after he died, went to the wife, the widow grieving, you know, very recently grieving, widow and said uh can you sign his his ticket here so we can harvest his his organs mm -hmm. so they're good enough to give out but they weren't good enough to help you know to it makes absolutely no sense but again how many of these how many of these cases aren't we here enough that's the scary part oh well yeah and so you've got that side of it which is so so dark because these people are actually still alive right after receiving that shit but like, let's not forget all of the like the, the literal child murder that happened from just administering these things in the first place. Like that's that's so tragic as well. Like that's it's the it's the worst saddest thing ever. That kids who were healthy, like Sean, you know, like these kids who were just wanted to play hockey and do their thing and be involved in their community sports and you know live healthy lives, go outdoors, feel the sun on their face. Were like, oh, you can only live like you're meant to live if you get this shot and we're going to tell you that it's the greatest thing ever and you're a kid and you're susceptible in the same way they're kind of getting bashed over the head with the the gender stuff you know these susceptible malleable brains and it's cool and it's common for everybody to mask up and do your part and you know those people are bad over there with the trucks and the canadian flags you hear honk and don't trust them you know and and this, these kids take a shot and that they were there no risk of the wild virus and then they're dead you know horrible a percentage like this this is unconscionable and here we are like watching the government murder people in all kinds of ways with impunity and the shit we're talking about is inconsequential as a nation well the word marburg seems to be coming up a little bit more right now as well um my current open-minded theory is that they're going to use that as some sort of you know excuse for the next next big control tactic but what's what's marburg point, the marburg virus well haven't heard of it yet yeah so one of the new variants they're basically just going to tag it as the marburg virus mm. um due to similarities or whatnot right or there could be an issue with the actual said marburg virus right but uh, yeah, I don't think they can pull the bioweapon trick again. 
Like unless they like they're doing it as like a an upfront like blatant bioweapon just to kill people off, but like to scare them into lockdowns and shit like that. I don't think that's happening again, man. I don't think they I can do it. I still see people though getting off airplanes and shit with masks. I still see people driving around with the mask on. I know, but when's the last time you talked to somebody and that was their opinion? Yeah, it's well, it hasn't been that long actually. That's the scary part. Like getting off the airplanes, especially. Mm. people are very you know depending on where they're coming from or depending on what you know if it's to do with the smoke i just chuckle and tell them yeah but make sure you spit lots (laughs) it's not doing anything without moisture and it's a piece of plastic so you probably don't want to put too much spit on it well there was another uh cdc or something like that and they were yeah it was a cdc and they said like cloth masks don't work to filter out smoke and then somebody posted that on top of a picture that shows that a smoke particle is like a thousand times bigger than a virus particle. Yeah, <laughs> right. Pretty funny. And well, there you go. A prime example. Um, yeah, we we need to do a show just about CBC's disinformation. I think, which is you know, it's scary. I do have to. I want to give a little bit of props. I think and credit to. Uh, the MP there, Greg Kylo, even though he is on the, on the left side of things, uh, he does seem to be standing up uh, quite a bit for the people in the Shushwap battling that wildfire right now. I'm oh, not what's sure. he saying? Um, well, his him and his wife both, and his wife admits every time that she posts that this is her opinion and nothing, you know, to do with his position and blah blah blah. But uh, you know, standing up for the food trucks, getting out there to mm-hmm. to help with the with the wildfire and and asking why people are denied the right to fight their own their own homes that's like in the actual mm-hmm. freaking you know um rights kind of thing right so and as well he he's grown up in that area so he has you know his whole his whole livelihood is is based in the shoe swap so he uh and he understands so it's uh I've called him out before because I know him personally and I've known him for, for many years, but uh, I've called him out before for, you know, g- good on you, but you're just playing for the wrong, the wrong side. You know what I mean? Like you just gotta you know, jump over to the good side and we'll be okay. Right. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's like, why, why would you even be involved in the party when a lot of your morals are opposite? Right. So yeah. a lot of your opinions are so, but it is good to have somebody there as that voice of, hey, this is what's going on and this is what wasn't addressed. Mm-hmm. It's like Trudeau being down here to shake the hands of the firefighters. Okay, yeah, the fires are not as big a risk, but there's still a freaking risk. And if you're going to go and waste some firefighters' time, why don't you go to Yellowknife where, what is it, 20,000 people are displaced? I'm, I'm pretty That's sure. Crazy. Yeah. And we, and we were getting close here, or we were pretty close at one point. But, uh, yeah, I can't, it might even be far more than that, but the amount of homes that are lost and stuff like that, and they're still burning out of control. So again, go up to where there's an actual, you know, issue going on and, and enjoy taking pictures with the fire, you know, still out of control in the background. So I don't know. It's, uh, it's terrible. Like I said, I do, I do, um, have appreciation for the firefighters. But again, that does include the ones that accidentally let the ones get out of control as well, right? So Mm. these are accidentally caused by the actual, you know, firefighters. And they've openly admitted that, but not a lot of people care. 
Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know who's making the, I don't know who's the 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 big the big cheese for the decision maker for like some of these controlled burns that get turned around and turned into the the fire themselves, you know, feed the flames. Uh, you know, that's a tough one, right? Because it's like, what are you basing it off of the weatherman? And it's like the weatherman sure don't get it right. So if you're basing the wind off that, like, you better be damn sure that like, you know, the wind that's coming is coming in your favor because shit you know you could really you could make a bad thing worse right <laughs> and you know like i guess you gotta have empathy for like trying to trying to do anything like that because it's such a large scale you're like geez mother nature she's not predictable right and so i get like the impulse to do what you can to fight fires what frustrates me and i think anybody that knows anything about these forests is that we don't do any prevention these people these these guys instead of having to go out to fight the hot raging fire should go be able to start small fires in the springtime when they're not going to go out of control, get rid of the crap that's going to burn, especially around cities and call it a day, right? Stop fires from encroaching upon cities and let them burn. Uh, if they're in the, in the, if they're in the woods, they're not threatening any structures and that's all you can do. And it's just like, that's forest management. I don't understand why we're even having this conversation where it's like, we're losing homes. We're losing homes. We've lost homes since, I mean, when I was a kid, 2003, the big firestorm, right? People in Kettle Valley lost a ton of homes up there. The lesson there was to say, hey, what are we doing wrong? And you could look at any of these university studies and they all say the same thing that like prolonged uh, fire suppression is going to make the fires worse. It's going to make the fires hotter and they're going to climb the trees and then they're going to move from top to top. And then you got a firestorm on your hands and that shit gets out of control pretty quick. And so pine forests are meant to burn. If you let shit build up, they burn too hot. The solution is to do fire prevention controlled burns, cut lines, and let let the forests get back. Because like, it's going to take a while for the forest to ever get back to that cycle because you've got places where like the undergrowth is so covered in, in flammable material that it's like, we're going to have, we're going to have big fires for a long time, but it's like one of those band-aids that you're going to have to start to peel off. It's like, don't fight the big ones that even if they're smoky, even if they're, you know, hurting a lumber plot, right? You're going to have to, at some point, allow for the, the fires to do what they're meant to do because you just keep putting them out and keep stopping them it just keeps making it worse and that's what's frustrating is they keep on blaming climate change trudeau was out there saying this is our you know this is us having to deal with our changing climate like this is humans driving around and cow farts causing the problem and it's so clearly just a a, a reality of pine forest we have it washington has had it they had massive firestorms the native americans were doing controlled burns hundreds and thousands of years ago like uh in california they they knew when the prevailing winds were taking the wind out to sea they'd light a fire and they'd prevent it prevent preemptively do this so they you know had some everywhere. security and safety it's it's everywhere a, not just there yeah everywhere yeah, yeah. They, humans you know, the, for the first fire planet understood you know part of farming and agriculture was that you had to let nature take its course and rightfully speed it up at times so it's not a risk right the um what shocks me is that we live at this technological time where these heat-seeking kamikaze drones could be brought out and let's say every you know every time they need to do a controlled burn or create a fire line or whatnot like you're saying uh, you know it bring out these drones capable of you know extinguishing a fire before it gets to be a fire out of hand out of control you know i don't yeah. understand why we I don't, don't i don't want robots patrolling the bush though nate <laughs> I don't want them patrolling, but I want to have them on hand so they can be like, hey, we're taking you out. And we're using you to target the heat zones, right? Once you mm. get once you get the heat zone under control, the others, you know, the outside barrier, like you said, before you end up with that actual firestorm, mm. 
you know, if you target the the source of the the fire, the fuel source, you're you're that better, much better off. I just don't get it. Yeah, I don't get how in a in the middle of a residential area you have like the beautiful like hillside and, and some a little bit of forest in between houses and stuff like that, and it's like these little patches of shit where it just get drier than all hell. It takes one spark and like it threatens all those homes, and you're like, nobody wants to walk into that park and light that on fire in the spring a little bit and or just have a community cleanup with a bunch of assholes and rakes you know like you could this would save a lot of money you know i i can't can't i can't imagine insurance companies wanting to pay to rebuild homes not that they do right there's a lot of uh clauses that seem to get them out i i've heard but i i had to believe that a lot of these people should be covered and if they're not there should be like the most outrage ever but um like they don't want to pay for for that so like where is their where's their lobbying of the government to do prevention and like it does seem like there's some like there's two aspects there's like the there's a public perception of spending money on prevention rather than suppression people are more uh glad when their money's spent to fight the thing that they see that's encroaching upon them and dangerous but they're not very observant or appreciative of preventative measures. They're like, Hey, you spend how much millions of dollars a year? We don't have fires. And it's like, well, that's because we do the thing. So I get it from like an image perspective from, from politicians that it's like, uh, it's better to fight fires, but it seems like there's, there might be some perverse incentive here because it's like a multi-million dollar business. You know, it's like, how much does it cost for the rent the helicopters with the buckets and the, and the pilots with the, the water bombers and stuff, right? Like that's a lot of money that's being, you know, made there. And like, it's not like there isn't perverse incentives all over the place. I mean, ICBC uh, has the incentive it, in the sense that like, and this is funny because they're a public corporation. So like, they, they don't really care if they hemorrhage too much money, but even then they, they lobby the government to increase hunting seasons. Uh, so there's less deer on the roads so that pay for, for less animal collisions. I mean, it's, Perverse incentives exist everywhere, everywhere that there's a place for money to be made, but it's extra shitty because when, when that, when that impulse meets the government and the government just, it has this limited amount of unlimited amount of resources, you can really amplify the, the reach of a perverse incentive in the same way, the universities are bilking people for There's no competition in the market because they get government funding. Right, everywhere that you see government funding, there just becomes this this honeypot for I- industry that can just be like a leech, right, and and suck far more than they would if they were acting privately. Like if there was no government uh, involved here, you'd have insurance. Everybody would have insurance, right? You'd have home insurance and fire insurance and stuff, and the insurance companies would be incentivized to hire people to clear out the forests around homes so that the homes didn't burn down. That's how it would, in a in a free market argument, would. Uh, prevent this kind of devastation from happening in the same way, you know, uh, private security, right? If there was no cops, people would pay for private security, right? So they didn't lose like their shit and they would probably jump in with a co-op of their neighbors or whatever to, to, to crowdfund essentially a security service and, or uh, you'd have insurance against crime. You have crime insurance. And so the insurance companies would pay for these private security uh, companies to come around because it was cheaper that than paying out for, uh, you know, break-ins and thefts and murders and, you know, on and on. Right. So you can see how, like, uh, if a company was incentivized by doing a good job to attract the most customers that the, the thing that the customers are trying to purchase, you know, protection from fires, protection from theft, 
right, is is a, is a direct result because there's there's competition and so it becomes affordable for people. But when it's the government and it's just this unlimited amount of money, these companies don't have to perform. You get a contract, you can just milk, right? They it happens all the time with snow removal, right? They they get a huge contract, they do a shitty job, and they still got to keep all the money. Well, okay, infrastructure projects. Oh, over budget. It's over budget again. Have you ever heard of a construction project that was under budget? Doesn't happen. Anyway, that's what we're seeing here, Nate. No, I uh, yeah, and it 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 brought up a lot actually. I tried not to cut you off during it. Now I forgot Hop what on I. On in. <laughs> I would discuss right sorry man but no that's what happens it seems i just yeah i i agree i i totally i get exactly what you're saying and it's uh it's crazy how how intertwined it all is where and they use it to their advantage where like you said basic services that could be you know we could have a uh actual accountable um telecommunications market as well but no let's let's let three of them you know run mm -hmm. the whole thing and even now i think we'll be down to two soon well it's government enabled monopolies telus and bell are going to merge if they haven't already right, right? It's, so. it's, it's government enabled monopolies it's like you don't mm -hmm. get this in a competitive environment you don't get a, a single company providing this this service across all the land like it's it's just and that's it, why it's crony capitalism happen. yeah which is fascism Right, yeah, this, this, right. they're indis they're indistinguishable because it's like the corporation and the state have merged. The state picks which corporations uh, get to succeed, and those corporations have undue influence over the state. And it's just this completely parasitic relationship that destroys absolutely everything close, that we've built. How close related is the fascist to the communist? Oh, well, the next door neighbors, right? Right, like the the if it was a communism. Um, it's a communism for cor corporations is how you could put it because it's it's uh, corporates cor corporate welfare right companies get bailed out they get special treatment um you know they're the, the the select chosen few of the the one above us all you know this this grand grandiose government and so it's like a it's only different from like a true communism in the sense that like in a communism um the workers would own the means of production and so like the state uh, and the workers allegedly would own the telecom company, right? And it would be run by a central authority that was heavily bureaucratic and mismanaged. And the same kind of things would happen that you get with like these, like ICBC and other socialistic organizations, right? They become top heavy with a bunch of managers and their buddies and their and and everybody in their lives. And then the cost becomes obscene, and it's bankrolled by the state because the state has an infinite amount of money, essentially because they have an infinite amount of suffering to inflict upon their citizenry and extort money from them in order to fund their pipe dreams. And so it's, it, it's that, but it's We're only for corporate, but it's that, but it's mainly only for corporations, right? Like, because the, the, the individual certainly isn't seeing the benefit and certain groups are, there's still a privileged class, I suppose. And I guess you get that in communism too, but yeah, like you say, they're next door neighbors and, you know, quibbling over the, it's totalitarianism is what it is. And it's, it's it's sucking away the things that make things better. Look how the pandemic would have changed if you applied the same principle of insurance companies. Uh, if you didn't have the state uh, and to, to back you up, um, you would have private insurance. The private insurance corporations would compete. You'd get the best rates. These insurance corporations would be vested in your health. And so they would be funding TV and radio ads during the pandemic to say, take vitamin D. Uh, 
you know, they'd, 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 they'd have doctors going out on TV and saying, hey, we've got great, you know, if you come down to this private doctor's clinic over here, we've got a 99.999% success rate of treating people who have COVID. Here's what we use, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, da, 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 da. And people would be interested in getting your health better. I was talking to a, with a, someone I met today about the, how the government handled um, like vitamin D, right? The simplest thing that they could have done Vitamin D is cheap as chips. If you're going to spend all this money on the pandemic, send a month's supply of vitamin D to every house, right? It would be it would cost you nothing compared to the the cost of healthcare and uh, or ivermectin for that matter. For, well, for the, I, totally. and both. I'm I'm oh. saying just start 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 at the very basic. It's like everybody who died and got really sick of COVID were deficient in vitamin D. Send it out to everybody then, right? But they didn't even. They, they did the opposite. They said, we're going to lock you indoors so you can't get any vitamin D and we're going to close the gym so you can't get exercise. So it's like, be sedentary and be outside of sunlight. And then we're going to try and tell you what to do for your health. We're not going to give you any supplements of vitamin D. We're not going to encourage you to go outside and exercise in the sun, but be distance. It's like, no, shut, shut down gyms. Don't go outside unless you have to. I mean, they arrested exercisers. They arrested old ladies in the park around the world. They did the exact opposite of what you would expect a company that was vested in the interest of your health because they don't want to pay out for your death to your family, life insurance, for example. Mm -hmm. But if you've got the safety net of the government there, these insurance companies, they, they don't have the, the, this way. The government gets, gets what it wants and they're going to milk the government one way or another. And so we don't, the, the citizen doesn't get protected. And so it's like, it's just hard to make a case for, for government. It's for me, like the biggest case I could ever make for government, in my opinion, what I think, like, if we're going to have a government, uh, it's to put, to, to have jails for, and, and a judiciary, right. For, and which, you know, could come about privately anyway, but just, just hypothetically that and protection of the environment, not from, uh, you know, the invisible demons of climate change, but from pollutants, toxins, uh, you know, PFAS, and, and said so they're giving it to the citizens. They're paying to give it to the citizens, right? Uh, but, and that's the thing is that it's, it's, for me, it's like, I love the idea of public land that we can all go out and enjoy and use, that it's not uh, stuck behind a private fence, like that there's no barrier to entry to go and kind of live as a human was meant to live. And uh, like proper stewardship of that, which we don't get. And so you're like, well, the only thing I want from government, we can't get. And so it's like they're they're a poor manager, despite their claims of wanting that. I drove I drove from Nelson to Kelowna, and both sides of the highway had pickets along the whole thing of these little like like political looking plastic signs that were just notices of herbicide use. They're spraying the sides of the highways with glyphosate now to kill off the brush, maybe so the deer don't come and forage near the road. I I don't know, but filling the deer the, with tumors the, because the deer don't know any better. Yeah. And the deer often come to the, the roads in the winter to lick the salt, right? That gets sprayed or the calcium on the on the forest service roads for the minerals. So they're attracted to the area regardless of the, the food contents. But you got to think about the amount of land that's on both sides of the highway, Nate, because that's a lot of land when you're talking a 400 kilometer drive, both sides of the highway. Maybe the whole thing isn't. I maybe you know, I saw signs, call it, call it two thirds, a half, whatever. That's the square the square kilometers of land that's covered and these are all drainages water runs off the roads into your little glyphosate patch and then it takes it down in a you know in culverts and it directs it into the waterways and so it's like it's it's not like it's staying in one place now this chemical's moving all about and like i i didn't even hear about it it's, there's no news yeah, i saying, was gonna like, say i never voted for that <laughs> yeah well <laughs> you certainly didn't do that but like you haven't even heard about it on any news you know, yeah. like, this is what's important to me. 
Like I'd like to know if my tax dollars are being spent to spray poison, how often, how much, what are we spraying? This is like just informing the public like, hey, 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 hey. If, if we're doing this whole thing where we have public land that part of my 60% share of, of, of paying your asses is that I get to go hang out on this public land and stuff and, you know, harvest food from it to shoot deer and eat it. And then you're going to be, you know, poisoning it. And I mean, obviously it doesn't stop there. The logging companies, right. They're now putting in genetically modified trees in plots and, and spraying glyphosate and all other kind of herbicides in, in the wilderness. And there's not a whimper, like where's the green peace people? Where's the hippies, all this climate change and pollution shit. And all of a sudden it's a good idea to carpet bomb the forest with poison. It's like, where, where are our priorities? Cow farts? How about we stop drenching the things that we eat in poison? Can we start there? Can we, and if we're just going to poison the things we eat, just keep it to agriculture. So like, you know, people like me can go out and catch a fish and not have to worry that it's like waterways been full of fucking pesticides. It's lunacy. That's what your money goes to. It's like, hey, we got homelessness. We got drug addiction. We got all kinds of problems. We got poverty. We got people lined up at the food banks. How many cans of Campbell's fucking soup could you buy for the amount of money that you're going to be spending on the pesticides that you're spraying on the sides of the road? Yeah. <laughs> what? If you're going to spend the money, like, could you spend it somewhere more fucking useful? So a sad video um, was surfaced to me. Um, special thanks to one of our guests, Truth Angel. She's been on a couple times. Definitely have to have her back. But she shared a video from a uh, she's from down south in the States there. Uh, she shared this video, though, of a young Canadian woman here who has put together a pretty good uh, challenge for the Prime Minister, which um, she goes on in her video. She's not asking for anything. She's just admitting the fact that she's in line at the grocery store and she has to deny herself something that she's picked up every time and never even thought about, you know, never thought about it twice, but now she's forced to put it back. Meanwhile, she's getting food poisoning because she's having to buy 50% off food in order to make sure that she can still, you know, provide her family with the fucking nutritious meal and, you know, yellow colored chicken breasts and fucking ground beef that smells rancid as soon as you open it, you know? So she says in her challenge, she says, I dare the prime minister to cook a 50% off meal from the superstore for his fucking family, you know? And I said, yeah, I totally agree hoping to promote the video for her. I said, and I'd also like him to continue to be a pharmaceutical uh, spokesperson as well and show mm -hmm. us how safe and effective that, that maid service is. Because I think if, if that is done and it's, and it's successful, we can then say we've never had it so good, you know? So yeah, it's uh it's crazy, man. Um, on a, on a related note though, uh, Pfizer just bought a big building right across from CNN in uh in the heart of new york city and yet you know four years ago they were bankrupt um the company had, had almost declared bankruptcy due to all of its uh lawsuits and and you know record uh payouts it had to to give out right so you know there's just too much happening coincidentally that uh that people have to be daft not to put two and two together right right um yeah, you, you, you mentioned what was going on with uh with that, we've got Chris Barber's as well. Um, I think his trial starts this week coming up in... Uh, yeah, him and Tamara. Yeah. Um, Jordan Peterson as well, the College of... Oh, yeah. uh, He's in the re-education camp, the Ontario College of... Uh, uh, what are they called? Uh, psychologists? 
Yeah, I mean, he's not in an actual re-education camp, but the court found that he had to take their uh, re-education uh, course or whatever they've got for him to, in order to keep his license. So he's he's gone pretty firebrand with all of that. He was doing a big uh, rant online uh, today. Just about, and he's like, I'm just going to be completely transparent. And he was talking on Fox News and he was just like, look to your neighbors in the north. Like we are what's happening when a society is falling apart at the seams. We're, you know, we're just going absolutely off the rocker and it's, it's hard to disagree. I mean, we're putting, we're putting people in, in for wrong, wrong think, you know, having a public opinion, working in your private capacity and then having a public opinion and then you're no longer allowed to work. It's, that's pretty pretty dangerous territory well to me it would be like taking teachers from the 80s and telling them okay what is your religion ah no sorry you can't teach mm. you have that you know that well, what, what, where's your freedom of conscience where's your freedom right? of religion exactly. we talk about this all the time Nate. like like the freedom of conscience when your tax dollars are sent to f- to buy bombs to, to kill people when you're a pacifist it's like my freedom of conscience says no. And I don't have the option. If you're not going to give me an option to vote with my dollar and say, I'm not going to spend it on hurting other people. I won't spend it on inflationary policies that, you know, cause more people to be poor and sick. I won't spend it on vaccine mandates or any kind of a public health organization that's out there killing people. And so uh, I don't actually get to live with my own morals and values, right? My morals and values are designed or are, are, are offered on my behalf. And I don't get a say in it. And that's just, so they're, they're telling the rest of the world, they're, they're telling some poor Ukrainian or Russian kid that got conscripted that's running onto the battlefield uh, that my energy is coming down to, to, to murder him effectively, right? And that that's my morals. Some guy around halfway around the world, this is what his morals are. That's what the government's saying to, to these people. And it's like, that's sick. That's energy. That's like, that's like metaphysical energy, right? If we're going to go in like a spiritual dimension with this, that's like the energy that you toil and you bring into the world and you might bring it in a, in a, in a loving way. You want to create, you're a, you're an artist, you're inspired, you're bringing positive energy. And the government says, we're going to take 60% of that, like that, what you, the return you get for that energy, the brightness you bring into the world, people return it to you, right? The service that you bring to others, they return it to you. Right. And it's like, okay, there's that energy that you're taking in as a reward, uh, as sustenance. And then they take 60% of that and they subvert it into the nastiest, gnarliest, like, like that fucking fern gully fog that comes in. It's like, it's the absolute like poison. They're spraying glyphosate on the side of the highways with it, man. They're, they're poisoning deer. They're bombing children around the world. They're saying, yeah, use cluster munitions. So kids can have their legs blown off. And that's what they're doing with your energy, the beauty and the, the, the life and the, 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 the fucking energy that you put into the world as a living creature. And they're taking it to murder people on the other side of the planet. You're like, what the fuck? That Are shit's you- dark. I'll welcome uh, Mike back onto the podcast tonight. Uh, Mike, thanks for jumping in there and joining us uh, to help us finish off here. Um, are you witnessing that on on your end? There, you you have uh, distance between communities and uh, uh, in that end of the the country. You must see these little signs on the side of the road saying they're they're spraying the chemicals. Notice of herbicide use. Have you seen this on the side of the highways, Mike? I noticed it between Nelson and Kelowna. No, I, I haven't really. I'm not saying I haven't seen it, but I haven't really seen it. Well, you'll also notice that the foliage along the sides of the highways is dead, right? It's dying and drying up just in the strips along the side of the highway. So like if you're driving through an area where you're like, it's exceptionally dry and dead here, then look around. You might see these white little picket signs 
like a it's the same kind of sign you get like with a like a politician running for office a little plastic on the wire uh and they got them up notice of herbicide use hmm. dude i was i was just telling nate that like i'd say half maybe two-thirds of my drive from nelson back to Kelowna had these pickets up and they had just sprayed like the highway for hundreds of kilometers hmm. i know we get the little pamphlet in the in our door that's saying like oh this invasive species and that invasive species and it gives you a big list of them and i don't know i just kind of shrug my shoulders like invasive species it's just part of part of the world nowadays like you you We're can't I, I can't you them. can't stop it man they can try but i think it, like if they're doing that kind of thing spraying to stop it like but this is herbicide probably... this isn't this isn't pesticides this is for plants herbicides are designed for killing uh vegetation specifically so that's like glyphosate uh herbicides they're like ubiquitous in farming communities and stuff I'll no i mean like invasive green. plant plant species oh okay well maybe that's that's why but they're killing everything it's just a brown it's not like because this is the thing that the glyphosate kills everything that isn't engineered to be glyphosate resistant that's why like monsanto or whatever sells glyphosate resistant roundup ready corn roundup ready wheat roundup ready soy right this is how they make it right is, is that they engineer the, the plant so the farmer has to buy the monsanto seed so then he can use the monsanto herbicide to kill off everything that's not the crop that he wants to grow and so when they're spraying a herbicide like this it's not like the like the weeds in the ditch are are genetically like all the grasses and natural things that are there are immune to it so they're, they're if, if, if their goal is to stop the spread of invasive plants by killing all of the plants, then maybe, maybe it's a triage thing. They're like, Hey, this napweed, this mullen is just going out of control, but you're like, at what cost? That's you know? the thing. Is it worth it? Was it worth killing everything just to stop something that you're not going to be able to stop anyways? Well, well, and just, and, and how much money and how much poison? Like it's crazy. But here's the backwards logic on this. From what I understand, there was people lobbying um, not many decades ago to say that we got to stop cleaning up the forests after we're out there doing a bunch of work and cutting shit down because we got to protect the mice and we got to protect the fucking bugs that, that need that, you know, that deadfall and, and that shit to, you know, to thrive. Right. So um, from what I understand, that was a lot of the reason, not only that, but obviously, um, you know, monetary as well and, and saving a lot of freaking money economically by not um, hiring people to go in and clean up after different operations and burning off, you know, the remnants, say, in October or November here in Canada, right? Well, they do it all the time around here. Like They it's, still uh, do in some, yeah. yeah, in some operations, but not as much as as we used to. We did actually have a time there where we were, like you said, we were testing the effects of being more responsible and then they came back and said, "Oh no, but the plants aren't living as well, or the or the sorry, not the plants, but the uh, the mice aren't living as well, and and there's a, a lack of bugs around." So, oh, they do that all all the time. Where I'm at, it's just a money grab. It's this social, it's this bureaucracy system that we've created. Like you can't fish this many fish, and there's all these rules. You can't build a house beside the river and all this stuff, but yet that the sewage plant that's dumping extra <laughs> sewer into the water, but we can't afford any to upgrade our sewage system because it's going to cost millions. And we saw it coming 10 years down the road, but we sorry. Mm -hmm. So the overflow is just going to have to get dumped into the river. Plus the overflow from the mines 
oh, that's I would not eat a fish from our river right now that like I that like I used to when I was a kid. I don't care who anybody who caught me any fish, I will not eat it because I know what's coming out of those mines and what it's doing to the fish. But yet you have all these environmental things like uh, we did a job once where we had to build this big retaining wall on this side of the river and the environmentalists had to come in and like shock the fish and like do this fish count and all this stuff like it was like a whole big process it's just like holy fuck like a kilometer down the road they're dumping they're unloading the raw sewage from the sewage like i'm not joking literally one kilometer away they're dumping the raw sewage from the sewage plant overflow into the river like like what the fuck stupid Oh, yes. Rules for thee, but not for me, man. It's like this whole thing where they like, they want to do this whole dog and pony show to like, make it make it put it mainly on the consumer. Like it's like you're not recycling, and you're driving the gas car, and you're making the environment worse. And then you're like, you walk out in the bush, you see these logging companies that just decimate like, like a square kilometer or two of, of forest. And you're like, you know, when you're talking about like leaving some deadfall for like the you know, to try and mimic nature a little bit. So there's like habitat for like the balance of biodiversity, right? I'm like, well, yeah, but like, that makes sense for me, you know? But like you say, like there's some bigger problems out there, but like maybe if you just select logged and just took out the biggest logs like they fucking used to, and like there's a total economic case to be made for doing it that way if you don't have free trade agreements and government getting involved in the competition of markets. Um, to select log, still make money and then leave the forest to be the forest and then you don't have to do all these things where you're like leaving a fallen over tree and you know hitting some quota but like like you're right they they they, they put it all all the onus for these things on the individual uh, as much as they can um and and you know they interfere with like small businesses like the construction company is like hey like somebody who paid me to buy, build a fucking wall here and like you say there's there's sewage coming in there's there's runoff from the mines like all the industry seems to get away with with doing it. if the government's poisoning or the government's destroying or not looking after nature that's bad but we have this huge care for for uh, it in this global context of climate change we have to preserve what are you trying to preserve everything that you have out there you're trying to exploit and you're telling us that you want to preserve it mm-hmm. i concur it's just all these big companies get away with it and everyone just kind of shrugs their shoulders and backs away because no one can take on these big companies and the big companies are just like politicians. They'll come up with every other excuse and throw a bunch of money behind it and lobby this person and that person behind closed doors that you don't see it. And uh, yeah. And then everyone else just, that's, that's all we can do. What else can you do? Like, well, recently, you know what you can do is, is use a, is use a paper straw, Mike. That's what you can do. <laughs> not this only, week. Only for the first couple of drinks before it melts. <laughs> yeah, not this melts week. into PFAS. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's, yeah. Well, well, what's next, right? That's my question. Are they going to be like, oh, you got to use this straw made from um, antifreeze, you know? And people run out, oh, okay, it's better for me. You know, like how freaking dumb are people in the first place? Like, why do we... And, and again, how how are we allowing this shit to be funded? We allowed them to produce them without any safety tests first? Because that's what that screams to me. It's like the masks. Well, this is the exact, like the, we've talked about it before, but like DuPont and Teflon, that's what that's what PFAS is, right? PF, PFOEs, these perfluorinated chemicals that are like impossible to break down and supremely toxic. Yeah, when they, they finally, they, after 40 years, 
got a dick slap for making Teflon, uh, they were like, okay, we'll fine you a little bit. We'll give you five years to make a new product They make a new molecule and then there's no testing. And so they're allowed to bring these new chemicals onto the market. And it isn't until 40 years later after you have like the, the huge amount of data and the lawyers have gone through the gauntlet to finally pry out the truth that like they made a chemical that killed more people and then they get another little PP slap and they get to keep on going, right? It's like these corporations are literal demons. It's it's unbelievable. So how do we fix it? Like how do we how do we reverse the tides on so much it seems that's that's corrupt and bankrupt? You know, because it's it's no surprise, even though it is the very minimal amount of people, right? When you've got the one percent, the ruling class, let's call it, right? Why is it that we feel so self? Um or so hopeless, I should say. Because we're lazy, I think. When people get some sort of simple solution that makes their life easier and they don't see the, the true effects of it like instantaneously, um, they just go with it and then they get attached to that easier way of lifestyle. And then it's hard for them to to bring in something different or saying, no, that's that's not the way anymore. It's like I was talking about my, my mother and my mother-in-law and stuff. And I was like, they use like so much chemicals, like spray stuff with like, and dish soap. You go, when um, my, my mother-in-law comes, like we're out of dish soap and she's only been here like three days. And it's like a brand new bottle of dish soap. Like how many fuck, how much dish soap did you fucking use? Do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like they just, they, they don't think about like, you don't need that much like that. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like people get used to the idea of things and they don't look at the underlying problems that come along with this stuff because it's convenient. Is that, you, that's one of my reasons, I think. Do you think that like some of it has to do with not having like a, a like an affirmation of values? So like when the West was one, so to speak, like when it was colonized and stuff and like the, uh, you know, they were under British rule. And then eventually they like when the revolution happened, for example, like the um, like the like the affirmation of values among everybody had a radical shift. They had to like document them. They put them in like the Declaration of Independence and they said, here's what we're about. Right. Or like with like religion, there's like a moral framework for people to abide by. And so like there's the, that's kind of like the zeitgeist in a sense. Right. So like when you were living under English rule, it's like you were like us, you ex you had to kind of accept it. You're like, we're oppressed and it's very hopeless that this mass, the biggest empire that's ever existed has a yoke over us and they want to oppress us and stuff. And then a bunch of guys in their 20s were like, fuck that. And then there was this radical shift in a, enough people's uh, desire to affirm a different set of values and uphold them together that they were able to to win and, and, and foster a society that was uh, way more free and better for a longer period of time and brought about a bunch of prosperity. But over time, those values are lost or they're subverted. You get the woke ideology, you get the, you know, the destruction of the nuclear family and like systems of value broke down. People aren't religious anymore. People aren't in, in, uh, in homes that have traditions, right? They don't have a, a set of values. There's, they're not taught a history where they're like, they understand what values like their founding fathers or like people who made their constitution have. And so now we're at this point of like resigning our values to those that are given to us because it's easy. And we don't really have any um, mooring to any, uh, any, any traditional values, any, any, or any kind of understanding of like what makes life good because people are telling us that the, all the things 
that a hundred years ago, everybody knew didn't make life good, like communism and fascism and stuff like that. Uh, radical socialism and stuff were terrible things. We, we, anybody who lived through Pol Pot or through Stalin or through Mao, right, knew that this, that was, this was terrible. And that's yet, right. And that's what makes us so weak as a society is that we've been spread so thin and we've had things so good that, and like, like our, like you're saying, Blaine, like our moral value, moral values that they've had in, in the old days because of communism or, or religion or what have you, those are now washed. So like, let me give you an example, like, um, even like our technology, right? You'd think in my mind that since everything that surrounds us is technological, right? And it's come so fast that they would start teaching this in school as like from a younger age that kids need to learn about how uh, computer coding works, how uh, a computer or any sort of um, like mechanical or computer devices work, like get us get a, a basic understanding, but they don't. So if, if society shuts down tomorrow, no one's going to know how to fix fucking anything because they've never been taught that shit yet. We depend on it to run our day-to-day -day lives. And I'm sorry, I guess it's a little bit off topic of what you're saying, Blaine, but it's okay. like, um, I just kind of sparked in my mind for what you're saying. So like our, the moral of the, what I'm trying to say is like, we don't have any values anymore. Everything's just spread all over the place and all our ideas of, have just sprouted in every different direction that we don't have a moral um, code to follow. And that's what we could, we should bring back in so many different ways, either, either government or religion. And I know, I know Nathan and I have talked about this on previous podcasts about the recycling. Right. Uh, and it was, I, I don't know if we had this good idea as where like, I don't know if you remember this, Nate, this was like a hundred episodes ago, whereas like, you should have uh, for these plastics and stuff. You should have uh, like everyone should. Ha I can't bring it all back right now. But um, let's say, like, say for example, you have a quota of plastics. You're allowed this much plastic from the grocery store when you check out. And if you don't bring that stuff back, then you don't get your points or whatever. You come back, say your points. Oh, I've recycled this much plastic as I've taken out. Okay, sure, you're reset. You can get this much plastic out again. If not, you have to pay a fine and you don't get your deposit back. Do you know that? But we don't have that incentive. It's more of a free-for-all right now. So you can do it if you want. And people are profiting on that, so they be quiet about it. Holy, I just I just totally um, washed what you're saying, Blaine, but you can bring the beat back. No, I think no, man. I, I just want to dovetail into there. I think we need to do the... Uh... We need to do that, but not with plastics. I don't give a shit about the environment at all anymore. Um, as we're not, we're not prioritizing ourselves at all on environmental. It's all it's all about who has control and who has money. It has nothing to do with saving any any air or or you know any any living being for that matter. Um, but we do need to do that with with drugs. And I think what they need to do is instead of this, everyone can have two and a half grams of everything. They need to be like, oh no, you came back. Oh, you didn't. You didn't kill anybody with those drugs you got last week. Okay, you're not getting any this week. You know, if we didn't give you enough to kill a lot of people last week, you're not getting any more this week. You know, because because those, it's 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 lunacy that we're allowing that much shit on the street, and at the same time, people aren't 
putting two and two together when it comes to the crime rates and the you know violent uh, offenses and stuff taking place in this last in this last little bit here. Blaine? Well, yeah, they're talking they're talking here about health, right? Public health again. And this is the government managing public health. They say we've got a, a problem with drug addiction, opioid overdose, homelessness. Let's give them all drugs. Let's give them all more drugs. That's it's always opposite land. You're like your solution to the problem is to make the problem worse. So what? You can justify your fucking existence, and you can get more more money for your public health department next year. Like, what is the goal here? And that's it's it's true of everything. Um, well, and when well, it comes yeah. to, um, sorry, I want to go back just for a second. Yeah. When it comes to the uh, the the people being denied um, organs and whatnot. There's also something in the works to say that if they don't find that denial of organ um, for those people that want to donate um, their organs, for instance, when they die, their organ donor card, if they don't find that, they want to have a new law to make it that if they don't see that card, they want to assume that you're. That's already law. I'm pretty sure, Nate, that if if it's not, if you don't opt out, you're automatically yes. opted in. Right. And, that and that's tissue harvesting as well. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, they could clone you if they wanted to. They could take uh, they could take enough of your DNA to to do whatever they wanted to do with well, it. And then would they then force you to be vaccinated though? If you were the clone version of yourself, well, probably. yeah, they probably they probably put it in you when they made you in you the know, code, intrinsic, yeah. But anyway, back a sec. Um, we're talking about the affirmation of values, and the one thing like I think that like w one of the reasons that we're seeing this big issue is that there's a there's a hunger for it. Uh, and so people are going out on social media and stuff like that. And they're, they're outsourcing their values. And I think it's what we saw over the pandemic was that like, and it's kind of along Matthias Desmet's like um, a theory of mass formation, right? Is that like people need to make sense of the world. They need meaning making. And so these authorities come along, these people that like, after they've been afraid, you can latch on, you can, you can get a new set of values because it's easy. You've outsourced them. And you're like, ah, so if the people are hungry for, a set of values they're just not being provided with a one in a popular enough medium right uh or like an aggressive enough medium to to latch onto it like they did when they had like the the revolution in the states for example right when that zeitgeist changes when that 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 when all of a sudden there's a collective understanding of what makes life good and, and with the important things that we need to uphold and so they go elsewhere and they go to the the, the darkest and stupidest of places and so it's like for like a revolution like the states for every one of those there's an equal and opposite like communist revolution that puts people down right because a bad idea got through and that's why like a good idea is so precious and like to learn from it is is even more precious so yeah what do you what do you think of that jc so we just charge people for like i don't agree with the with the whole limiting people to how much they can because to me that's that's taking total control of them that's social credit score shit right ccp kind of monitoring how much of everything you're eating or anything like that well someone has to be held responsible because if he guys i i'd like to uh to let's just do a little um constructive um exercise here on the social credit system and i i realize all the the government control issues surrounding social and that's definitely you know the risk of taking but let's let's talk about like some of the like the benefits of a social credit computer uh, computer run 
system. For example, um, I was just driving home right now and I saw a semi in, in the ditch and the whole fire trucks were there and everything. But um, my dad was telling me that uh, they're in, now they have to have like computer logins for these semi drivers so they don't like you know if you're a semi driver you're only, you can only drive certain hours certain amount of hours at a time and stuff like this. So now with this computerized system, you know you have to log. I'm I'm I don't know everything there is to know about it, but I'm I'm assuming that you'd have to log into your system. It's just there's going to be a timer. And everything's going to be um, recorded, right? Rather than a, than a paper login, which you could kind of just make up your own rules and be like, "Yeah, I rested when you didn't really rest," right? So that's like like a kind of like a little example of how a computerized system could take credit for making things better in a sense, because now these drivers won't drive overtired because if some if the powers that be check into their scan their system and be like, Hey, you are, you're past your, you're over your time limit here. Like they can be fined or whatever. So it's kind of like a deterrent for them to be uns make the roads unsafe. Do you know what I mean? Like, so that's just like one little tiny example. I mean, I know China is like crazy overboard on this stuff, but I mean, the, like right now someone owes me money and they're refusing to pay on a product that they have, they've already used. I'm like, I wish there was a, a credit system for them where just like, I can be like, Hey, they didn't pay like almost like putting a lien on a house, right? Like if you did some work on a house, someone's going to go sell the house, but they haven't paid for the work that you've done. Like Blaine as, as a carpenter, like it, it'd be nice if, if there was a, a social credit system that like, that it held those kind of people into account where it's not just like, you in court with them it's like them against like everything like they, they're not a, 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 they can't do anything until they settle what they what they owe and if they don't then their credit system is, is goes is downgraded and that affects everything they do so they're inspired to be a good outstanding citizen okay that's okay no yeah. totally I, i'm with you here let's just go back a minute though Let's say everyone with a class one license, which is Canadian um, truck driving license, everyone with a class one license has to log into a system and do their log book via a, an upload system that goes to um, the insurance company, call it ICBC here in British Columbia, right? So everyone, no matter where they drive, they, they upload to this federal system that goes to their local insurance, make sure that they're valid to be driving, number one. Then they log into this log book. They, they must have to stop to log in their rest time. So they must have to log in again to do their rest time and all that kind of stuff. Okay. But let's say a scenario happens where um, a bad weather in, in, in Canada. So the driver's taking longer to drive his route, which is, which happens, right? It's natural occurrence. Um, then, like you said, driver hits the ditch. Well, now they got to call a tow truck out. But because the weather's been so bad and we got this new digital system, every class one driver has to log in instead of just doing your regular logbook, which allows you to drive whatever hours locally, 13 hours or whatnot. Now there's a federal system where you have to log in and they log in and find out, oh no, they're over their hours by 10 minutes. So now they can't go out and respond and there's no way around that, around that app per se. Okay, we're getting into a time right now where, where that system 
could then um, impede you from being able to operate your vehicle and literally shut down the vehicle, um, you know, connected to that account if, if that was the case, right? So not only that, but what worries me anytime anybody says, well, yeah, it's easier and it's more convenient to have the, you know, the McDonald's points counted on the on the card or on the app than it is to just have the little monopoly board you gotta you gotta keep in your pocket. Right. But we're we're where I worry is that somebody and, and you can call it the human interference um factor, because it's not a human error factor, but a human could literally get in there and hack that system and lock every class one driver out from hitting the road. Or open it up so that everybody can, you know, break the rules for a limited amount of time, right? So that's what concerns me with the progress of putting too much dependency on technology in itself. We should always have a manual override for every system that, that we have and that we've created. We're not that advanced of a technology that, you know, I believe we should ever be allowing technology to, you know, to run those 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 things, especially when it comes to logbooks in a truck, because yeah, there's times where unexpectedly you get a flat tire. Well, guess what? You're now on rest. So of course, yeah, it's convenient to log into the phone, but it also takes a minute to log into the phone. Whereas in your logbook, it takes probably less time to grab that out and grab your pen and, and make draw that line in the appropriate spot, right? So it's tough as a professional driver when you have to keep your books up to date because if you get pulled over and you haven't made your last update before you let your wheels roll, you'd be fined right there just for doing that, right? So say you were on rest, but you didn't mark down that you were back on driving and you get pulled over, well, you're in trouble, right? So, Well, there's also another pernicious kind of aspect to this insurance driver uh, app relationship uh, because like, I think it's Allstate in the States or one of these big insurance companies, their phone app, is tracking you when you drive and it's seeing if you're going over the speed limit. Uh, and so from that, it's able to like impact your rates. And so it's a negative, it's literally a social credit score, right? Like if you're, if you're following these prescribed rules or ways of being, then you're good, but it's, it's watching you all the time. And that's like the, the creepiest aspect of it. Cause you could just imagine how that could bleed into like the rest of your life. And then, you know, you're just being well, tracked many, everywhere you go, which is something that we knew, but it's like how that data is going on to being used. And like, that's one element that's already like pretty creepy. And I can envision a thousand other that are like way worse. Well, I wonder if there's ever been studies to say how many accidents are created when instead of keeping up with traffic and going over the limit, people, you know, start slowing down to the exact speed limit, because I'm pretty sure there'd be a whole lot more accidents on the road if everyone was just doing the speed limit, that's where I bring up that Allstate thing is did they compare it to the data they had from all the other vehicles there to say that, hey, those drivers were only going over the speed because uh, because they had to keep up with traffic, right? And we've well, we all live in areas like that where, yeah, the posted speed's 80, everyone's doing 90. But if you do 80, shit, you're getting honked at, lights flashed, everything, right? Finger in the whole works. So. Well, not just, not just that. This is what they found is that like they've done a bunch of studies when they've removed speed limits from areas completely just to see what happened, Autobahn, but also like studies in the States and stuff. And they've shown that when you, when you remove speed limits, people naturally end up driving the same speed on the roads. Uh, it's just like kind of like a human instinct, like whatever's comfortable, what feels comfortable on that road for most vehicles and most people was a consistent speed. It was like on a flat, dry, straight stretch of road, 80 miles an hour was like the 
like the common speed that everybody felt comfortable driving. But what they found was that when they implemented any speed limits, um, there's they found that there's people who are willing to abide by the speed limits and people who are willing to break it. And it's the difference in speeds that you have that caused the majority of accidents. And so you can reduce accidents by removing speed limits. And this is like just what's been shown. Of course, like people are going to look to the whole narrative like speed kills that, you know, enabled the like if you're talking about perverse incentives, it's like the quotas system with uh, speeding tickets, right? It becomes a revenue generating tool for the department. They can justify by how many people they pull over for how much funding they need next year. And they're providing money back into the system, which costs a ton of money. So uh, they're using it for their own benefit. So there's a, there's a, there's a perverse incentive there. And so like this, this could be expanded in all kinds of different ways. And we see it, we see it all the time. And that's what bringing it back a little bit to that, like all state insurance and stuff like that. It's like, what what about the future where you have a government app that is monitoring your speed and when you break the speed limit you're getting uh you're getting a fine you're getting a penalty on your social credit score or you're living on the street suddenly yeah and so like i mean speed kills in a different sense there but yeah in the uh well my my other concern with the with the whole thing with uh allowing the allowing that is I, I've I've questioned for a while now. We have these um, speed triggered cameras at some of our intersections here in the city, mm-hmm. where if you're going over, I think it's ten over the limit. If you're doing seventy k in a sixty zone through that intersection, it flashes. But yet I still see people with tinted out windows all around their vehicle and dark tinted out windows all around their vehicle, and the um, the cover up plate on their back plate of their vehicle as well. Um, I know most people bought those for tolls or whatnot, but that works the same with those cameras, I believe. I don't know. Is is there not like, isn't there a law to say that, you know, they can pull them over and say, hey, you can't have that. You're covering up your license plate. Like, to me, it was the same with these damn bike racks. If you fly through that intersection and you got a bike rack, even with no bikes on it, you can't read the plate. So are they taking a partial of the plate, matching it up to the vehicle? Like, how are they, you know? Or again, mm, why are they taking these people that are covering up their license plates and their windows, you know? Well, here's the thing is that with a little bit of software and a bit more uh, intrusiveness, they could link that up with the other just like cameras that are viewing. So you see, you see a blue Bronco go through an intersection with a bike rack and you, you speed there, but then you're like, well, I didn't get the full plate. So we've got all these other cameras along the way to get the front plate to like, you know, get it from every angle, right? It's like, you, you could just see, how far totalitarian control can go in a digital way. I mean, God, China's doing it great, but it's like, it's nothing nobody could have, like, like nobody couldn't have predicted when you thought about like the use of technology. And it's like the worst case scenario there. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're gonna come up with more and more creative ways like we're talking about. I'm sure they already have it. Or if you're speeding on a road in China, it comes up on your social credit score and demotes you. And it's like, it's sick. I mean, you've got maps where you're literally fearing your neighbor because you're like, I can't be within 500 meters of somebody with that low of a social credit score. So I got to move to a high social credit score neighborhood and distance myself from these people and rat them out to make my score better. And you're like, oh my God, like the whole thing becomes a game. If if the government decides to pay you money for that shit, good luck, watch out. Like they're going to be given... you. That's how they bring it in, right? They'd say you, you get a universal basic income, but you have to take the take the 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 social credit score and if you do that if you if you apply yourself 
you can have the money and you're going to get so much money based on your score. And it's like, I ratted that bitch out across the street. She didn't put her recycling in the, in the recycling bin. I saw her huck it in the garbage fucking done. Right. And then she gets a hundred points off. I go up a hundred points. I get another hundred more bucks. Like that's, we, we saw people rat out their what, you get points for, for ratting people out. That's oh, yeah. kind of weird. That's a little oh, extreme. Yeah. I oh yeah. I wouldn't push it that far. It's no different than crime stuff. Well, no, here, that's what's right? happening, Mike. No, this, yeah. that, this is what I'm saying is happening in China. Mm-hmm. You go up if you're, a, if you're a good citizen and you report a crime. And so like a crime is like this guy littered, this guy did this, this guy, you know, was he didn't dress nicely. Right. Well, and then, do, you guys, uh, do you guys recall when when our dictator let every province know that if they adapted the um, the passport, the vaccine passport, they would receive a billion dollars. I don't know if you guys recall that or not, but that was $10 billion given out. And we never really saw anything from that, right? That, that billion dollars, each province was, yeah. You said 10, but did they not give it to the territory? I don't know. I'm not sure. That's why I only went with the province. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, no, you're, you're totally right, man. So, and my other, my other thing is, as far as I'm concerned, when we talk about accountability and it comes to environmental practice and, and, you know, this, this delusion we call recycling, um, why aren't they just saying, Hey, if you're going to make this plastic product, it has to be made from a biodegradable plastic material. Um, or you have to offer it fresh at your, at your deli, like, you know, and that's the way we should be selling meat. That's the way we should be selling, you know, everything, vegetables, all of it. I don't understand why, you know, we're at the point where it's, and it's cheaper to buy a bag of broccoli florets already done in the bag than it is to buy real broccoli. Like it's, it's ass backwards a lot of times when in reality, it should be that simple. You should have broccoli florets and you should have broccoli on the stock, you know, right there in the, in the grocery store, they've, they overcomplicate things and they give you the delusion because that's what it is. It's a, it's an illusion of, um, you know, perceived value in reality. You're not getting anything, anything better from that. Like you said, you buy that bag of broccoli already in the bag. Well, now you got the plastic to get rid of, right? And they could just make it and, and put it in a better plastic bag or no here it's wholesale. You're buying it and you're looking after it yourself, you know? You pick broccoli, for instance. I don't know. When it comes to when it comes to the meats and stuff, it's like I said with marijuana years ago. You know, when they when they legalized the marijuana, I didn't expect it to get more bulky in waste. I expected that if they legalized marijuana, we'd have pot shops with jars of it on the counter. And you know, the cafe that you go into and you get a pot muffin and and a and a pot root coffee or some shit. And you oh, like the Netherlands or something. Out. I didn't expect it to be sold in these giant freaking plastic tubs or these these impossible to get into freaking foil and plastic cellophane containers, you know? Blaine, what were you saying? Oh, Sorry. It's just the biggest Oh, I was just I was just agreeing with you. It's such a it's a, such a total farce that like they had to have like they weighs more. The plastic weighs more than the joint that you buy. You know, it's just like it's it is an incredible amount of waste and it drives the price up, uh, you know, needlessly. But, yeah, it's just like you would buy tomatoes that are on display on and my... you can squeeze a tomato. You know, I rarely you can be, oh, ever... this is the cantaloupe for me. I Go rarely ahead. ever 
put a filter on my joints and I'm pretty good at rolling them. You know, the only time to put a, put a filter, a paper filter on the end of your joint is when it was a greasy strain. And none of the strains have, have been oily enough to clog, you know, the joint itself. So the whole idea that they're putting a paper filter, you're paying, again, more money for less product, right? So in an example, sorry, that's right. I, I could bitch about the marijuana industry for for a long time, especially how it's not fair to the people selling it too. Because now they have like a an expiry on weed. Like what? Well, I, like I was going to say, it's just like you, when you go to buy tomatoes or a cantaloupe, yeah. uh, you get to like look at each one. It's like, I can't look at the buds. That's, we were like, in, I was living in the West Kelowna when they, it was like quasi legal before they legalized it. And like the indigenous places there could have like these, these pot shops and they weren't getting shut down. And you could go into any of them and they had just these glass or plastic jars all lined up and you, they'd pop when you go and you whiff it. And you're like, I'll take that bud right there. And they'd weigh it out and whatever it came to is like what you paid for it. And you were like, happy as a pig and shit. You're like, that one looks great. Because this one, you don't even know what it looks like. It's in, a, it's in a completely sealed dark package. So you're like, I don't know what I'm getting. And I've bought some in just like the little the little jar, some nugs in the in a plastic, hard, hard plastic jar. And I open it up and it's just like these little micro buds. It's it they're like they're smaller than a pinky fingernail. They're like half a pinky fingernail on an infant. And it, it's it's just dust, right? You just pour it out and it's dry as fuck. You look at it, it's packaged two years ago, and you're like, well, like I don't I don't know what to say here. Uh, every time I went to a dealer, I'd be like, I'd get like, a nice fresh bunch of buds. You know, it's every time I went to these quasi legal places, it was the same. Mm. And now, now we don't even have that selection. You're like, what, what have we become? Why? If well, it's even legal, their then catalogs, the even their catalogs, there's a random picture on there, but who knows where it's coming from. You know, it's not like they actually have a description next to every product. Really. It's more, um, you know, it's, it's potency, percentage and all this other crazy shit and none yeah you know it's maybe i know it's some guy's full-time job maybe i've developed such a dependency that there's just no more good weed anymore i've had the best (laughs) and now i'll never have as good a weed anymore (laughs) that's fair what what were you saying there Blaine? sorry yeah no there's this just i just know that there's like a few people at least it's their it's their job in the government to like come up with the packaging regulations and to come up with, you know, and, and like, and changes to the ad that they had to put on there. Right. They're like, what's the new warning. And they have to like justify their existence. They're like, fuck, we already got the cans. We got the canisters. We got the warning. Like we're going to be out of a job here pretty soon. Like we've already done it. So they have to like try and stay relevant, you know? And they're like, it has to have a zipper. That's impossible to like, you know, that weird little plastic. <laughs> They've got to be able to pinch it from three sides, four sides, five sides, six masks. Like they're just, they, they can't fucking stop, man. They're like, this is a cash cow. Where do they end with all of this craziness? If they if they say, for instance, that you can only buy so much shit wrapped in so much um, cellophane, and in, in which case you won't be able to buy a carton of milk next week, where do they end with that? It's already it's already bad. It's like it's, I, I agree with what you're saying before. They should put all their efforts into biodegradable stuff if that's if that's the this is the status quo. Cool. They want to stay on, then they at least have the stuff that. Then they can do. Then you can do whatever you want. Throw it away, recycle it, whatever. At least we know it's going to be biodegradable. 
Like, how come they aren't doing billions? Throw a billion dollars at it, and then they come up with well, the new stuff and, and it, say everyone has to use this stuff. That's it. The old stuff's out. Don't just and again, like, if eliminate it. Supposed some to have be... bags, some don't. Some some can stay, some can't. We don't we don't count that stuff. We only count plastic straws. It's all but like, like, what the fuck's going on here? Well, and again, <laughs> if we're all going to be circus, accountable, and and we want accountability, then and we also want to do our part as far as Canadians. Why isn't the government like you say? Why don't they hand out a billion dollars and say, okay, we want, um, a, you know, somebody some company to to bid on this this billion dollar contract to produce all the plastic trays. For the chicken, the biodegradable plastic trays for the chicken yeah, in the grocery stores exactly. in Canada. And we won't accept any product coming from China, for instance. I just, I caught a picture. There's this really cool, I'm going to share with you guys before we go here, uh, 25 awkward moments that were caught on camera. And one of them is a, a shipping container that's splitting. Um, the Sorry, the, the ship is, is full of these shipping containers. And they're literally splitting as before they fall into the water. And, uh, you know, quick count here, there's 10, 15, 20, yeah, so 40 of them, 20 on each side just splitting and going in the ocean. But, again, you know, who's being held accountable for those kind of incidences, right? And when it is, it's, oh, well, here's this quick little slap on the pee-pee until next time, you know. We want you to get re-educated. We were talking about Jordan Peterson before you jump back on here, uh, Mike. Oh, damn, I missed a good part. Damn. <laughs> Well, it is to me. It is crazy how many people are are like, and not how many, but it it just I don't know. To me, it's crazy that anybody would have anything negative to say about the fact that the guy is being censored, and freedom of information or freedom of expression, at least. You know, when you have a teacher like that being told, from what I understand, it's the College of Physicians, correct? Uh, psychologist, wasn't it? Psychology. Okay, so it's the College of Psychology. So is it because of his teaching or is it because of the psychology? Like, is he not because of his public statements that he's made as a practicing psychologist? So he's had public opinions. They're worried about how that um, reflects on the community of psychology. I think it's about his his license to, and I kind of like, I'm on the fence about this because if he wants to practice his practice, like, he has to be able to accept anybody from any walk of life, right? As a mm-hmm. psych, as a psychiatrist, right? Like anybody who walks in his office and sits in his chair. But meanwhile, he's stating his own public opinion on this and that and the next thing. Well, you know, maybe that goes. You're not supposed to. I, I feel like you, you can't have both worlds. You either be a psychologist and keep your mouth shut, as Doc was privileged to be quiet. Or you become the spokesperson for whatever your ideals are. I mean, he's rich enough as it is. I well, I think he's saying that to... like other psychologists are endorsing stuff like gender ideology, for example, right? And that he sees that as like a moral hazard for the profession. That it's a perversion of psychology, for instance. So I think in that sense, he's speaking in his capacity as a psychologist as a critique on on his field because he feels like they're doing harm. And so some would say like. It would be really nice if a lot of doctors didn't just toe the line during the pandemic when they knew better, right? And they spoke out and said, hey, this is wrong. And the doctors that did are our heroes, right? So I think in a sense that, you know, when he's talking about things like that, 
it's probably in service to what he believes is right for physicians. And that's, and, that, and that's fine, that, like, but he you have the right to say that and, private, and, private and his clients, but, 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 his, his own but his, private clients. Exactly. he can't be part of a group that says, it's, no, we don't want time. that. One at a time. Sorry, Blaine. I didn't mean to be rude. That's no, okay. No, you go ahead. I just, uh, I don't think you can, you, if you're part of a group that says, we don't want you to do that. And he says, well, I don't agree with that. Well, then get the fuck out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Then go do your own thing. Go start your own practice. And, like, but this right, is the I thing know is right or if wrong. They, but if they're going to pull his license, though, they're in, they're in charge of his license. So he can't start a private psychology practice without being in, in you know, contrivance of, of the, re, the uh, regulationary body, right? So he's trying to say, hey, my profession is, you know, involved in uh, mutilating children and affirming that. And that's, like, not something that I agree with. And so in the same way that, like, a doctor was like, Hey, I'm not going to give any vaccines to these people. I think they're dangerous and they get shit canned yeah. or they don't, they refuse to take it themselves. Right. It's like, no, like you're within your right. That's why we have free expression. It's why we have whistleblowers because otherwise people would always be in line to whatever regulatory body that comes along, even if that regulatory body goes in a, in a, in a dark direction. Right. And then like he had that's made true. some comments, I think about like the, the, the prime minister and stuff. And here's the thing is that like, if, if somebody's going to go in and get a psychologist, right, they can look into the the person and it's like, you can look into the type of psychology they practice, like a Jungian, uh, you know, like somebody who started studying, study like Carl Jung. And that's like, whose philosophy they follow. And like, there's other ones out there, um, you know, names of different philosophers, philosophies of it. And you could say, well, this is the type that I pra pra practice. If that appeals to you, then good. And it's the same kind of free market system where that says, you know, okay, I read about this guy and, and the CBC told me that he's bad. So I'm going to go to a different uh, psychologist, right? So it's like, they're inferring that he's the one that's doing harm when he's saying that the other psychologists are, are doing harm. So you kind of get a, a, a weird statement, a state here when it's like, well, disagreement's good in sciences. And if psychology is a science, then you're going to want healthy debate. And so to have those opinions is fine. And then if you're a human being you're and you're a voting citizen, like you're allowed to have a public voice on, whatever right as long as like you're not talking about your clients you're not in violation of any oath if you want to go and run to be a conservative or an ndp or a liberal after your tenure or during your tenure and, and uh, as a uh, as a psychologist or whatever then like you have that right to around here so i think That's it's true. i think it's only to the good because people get to choose man it's not like it's not like you're forced to get a psychologist like in the same way that you're like forced to a doctor it's not like the government says you have to take this one at least I don't, I've never been to a psychologist, but I'm guessing that's how it works. See, and that's, I just like want to clarify that, choose it, was, it. that it was the, you know, I just wanted to clarify though, that it is the board of psychology representing that area and specific um, medicine, call it that, right? Um, or healthcare, I guess. So, you know, at the same time, though, we've got like Dr. Um, Peter McCullough, even um, Dr. Mackis, where, you know, they're being censored or they're being threatened to, to lose their licenses over a lot of the same kind of thing. Right. You're not towing the party line. And that's where I, I kind of wonder, like, how close are we between the current, you know, um, situation and full out, full blown, you know, CCP ish control? Mm hmm. Well, as a, uh, I'm, I'm glad you guys uh, clarified that for me. I never really thought of it like that. But, um, you know, as a psychiatrist, each individual has to be taken as an, an individual. And I think, like, a psychiatrist's job is to take in 
these people and this is why i've always had problems with the transgenderism is because i think it's not just one overall thing whereas you're gay or lesbian or bisexual or whatever it's it's like an individual psychological um reasoning behind their yeah, it's for it's like right so i think like one one uh transgender could be totally different than another transgender and i think like I don't know. It's it's a it's a big spectrum out there, which I think it, it's like the police force is like if the police if if people maybe this is a bad example, but if the police force are getting extra rowdy and and they have and then the police are like, well, we have our reasons for it. Well, the they need to like restructure the way that they they're training, and it's, you know what I mean. Instead of some, saying something's bad, something's bad and. And something black or white maybe there's like some gray where like we need to handle things a little different maybe maybe the same thing needs to apply to the, to the psychiatry system whereas like okay the queen jordan we hear what you're saying maybe we're wrong maybe you're right maybe you're right maybe we're you know what i mean like maybe there needs to be some sort of guidelines that works for everybody and which i'm sure that's why he's bringing it up right well, I think that like, I mean, in terms of like the, you know, you were saying earlier about his ability to like take on different clients or whatever. It's like, I don't think he's ever said like, oh, I won't see any liberal clients or I don't like liberals. It's like, he doesn't like Justin Trudeau, you know, for example. So it's like, there's no, there's no picking or choosing or discriminating. Cause it's like, it's like the doctor, you don't care if your doctor is a Republican or a Democrat, you just care if he's good. Right. And like, he's not going to care. Uh, uh, one way about you either, right? Because it's like they, they have a job to do. And so you go in there. And so if you got a transgender person, I'm sure he'd like, you know, ask him what that's about and, you know, act professionally. Because I'm sure that like, that's what uh, what that kind of person is supposed to do as a psychologist in their practice, right? So to be against it and to be a public figure, like no issue there. I think I think there's maybe a, a good in the sense that there's a community um a body. I don't know if like a regulatory agency is the greatest thing because regulations are kind of annoying. But like if if you ascribe to an organization and they support you and that organization's whole thing is to vet you for quality, then it can give people peace of mind because they're like, oh, they got a triple A uh, business rating. They got a JD Power and Associates trophy. Right. So you can trust that there's some level of integrity there. Right. And so like I can see that position being like the, the College of Physicians, uh, you know, role. But to be absolutist about like the authority for them to say who can and can't practice, I think you get into a bit of a quagmire with that. And obviously so, right? Because it's like this organization can censor somebody based on, uh, you know, political speech or free speech in a nation that's supposed to allow freedom of expression. Mm-hmm. But let's say, let's say, for example, um, you had this person transgender and they, they call the phone on. Let's see, I want the psychiatrist. Okay, come on. So they walk in the door and there's Jordan Peterson. They're like, oh, fuck. This is the guy who's against it. Now they get all fucked up. Like, is that what how you'd want to run your, your like, is, do you know what but, I mean? But, like, but why is somebody walking in there that doesn't know, right? Like sitting down and then like, why do they have to go through with it? You know, in this scenario, it's like, if yeah, the person goes in there. Yeah, but why would you have there, to vet somebody though? Like if you're, as, a, as an organization, well, you shouldn't have to be like, okay, don't go see that guy. Because he's, He's on this. Well, they're not sending people anywhere, right? They're just they're giving him a a flag to say that he's certified in 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 his capabilities as a psychologist. And it's like unless they can demonstrate that he is not providing 
you know, psychology to the, to the level and to the understanding of like, you know, what's good, uh, what accepted practices are, then, you know, he's allowed to have his private opinions. And if a trans person walks in there and they're, and they know who he is, then they're going to have to make a decision at some point, whether or not they're in agreement or they like him as their physician, but they don't have have to choose him. They have every right to a second opinion, nonetheless, anyways. Just like everyone else is with every physician, right? So I'll I'll, want to hear a story. I'll give you an example of what I thought was ridiculous. So I went to uh, see a psychiatrist once. I didn't pay for it. It was kind of like this. um, The doctor recommended you go see this this guy. Yeah, you have ten visits for a penny. I remember that scheme. (laughs) So, um, because I I had issues with anxiety, as many humans do. So I like go into this guy's house, his office is in his house, right? And I, I, he's like, yeah, come on in, like ring the doorbell, come on in. He has like, like three attack dogs, like barking at the top of the, like the gated off of the top of the stairs, like just vicious, like, like, I'm like, what is this guy doing? Like, I'm here because I have issues with anxiety and you have like three vicious attack dogs going nuts. Do you know what I mean? Like. Like stuff like that. I'm not comparing factor. He was, I'm not comparing this to what we're talking about. I'm just. It's just a funny story about me. Me going to this. It's not a very good start for someone to like. A great start. Door. I'm picturing fear <laughs> factor. Like, what the fuck's going on here? I'm like, who is this guy? Who qualified this guy to to deal with people with anxiety when he doesn't understand? You should not. You should not have attack dogs at your fucking front door when your clients are coming in. Like, fuck. Uh, well, maybe it was just to get you over that anxiety, right? Like, yeah, it's just like on the way out, really supposed to chase you down the driveway, you know? These aren't these weren't like chihuahuas, these are like Dobermans, man, with like vicious, like, <laughs> and they weren't just like growling, they were just like, like gonna tear the fence down. I'm just like, oh, man, yeah, I don't know. I've never went to a psychiatrist's house before, so I can't really say that I uh, I can uh, relate. So. Tell me about your mother. Yeah, yeah. Your problems were manifested from your childhood through a series of redigressions, but we'll get into that in another, you know, one of our paying sessions, let's hope. Anyways. Yeah. So there we are. But yeah, I so agree. Solved, I agree. Like very few of the world's problems on this episode. <laughs> but but we have tried. You did miss we had uh um fuck you uh, Kyle come back on. So that was good. Um kind of finished up where he left off on that one episode where he just kind of disappeared so um yeah we still don't know exactly what's happening with uh christian freeland's uber driving uh career there but uh apparently i think we touched base on that last week didn't we a little bit yeah yeah this week was her methamphetamine speech oh that's right yeah Yeah. didn't she didn't she get pulled over for speeding or something yeah, we covered. Oh, well, that. yeah, that that was last week. We talked about that because oh, she was awesome. she was originally she was biking to work, and then we found out about the limousine driver, and then she probably didn't want to bring the limousine driver all the way to Alberta, so then she rented a car of her own. And it turns out she's lead footed as hell, and then she got a big old speeding ticket. People are making fun of her so huge, and it's it's hilarious. Well, they should, especially it. after the speech she just made, asking why she's telling the states we'll just do a recap here you're she's telling the states that uh or canadian people don't travel down to the states because they're homophobes basically trying to warn 
warn right that's that's the thing right warn the lgbtq community about traveling down south and then when she was questioned on it as why why she would um you know give up this travel advisory or 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 consider this she starts going on about the part i caught i thought she was talking about how it's because the governments don't communicate properly and then blaine was saying it had something to do with something else yeah so like the i think what you're talking about was like the alberta uh federal thing oh where they're having a, they're having a beef and so i think that's what she was saying uh in the quote that you're referring to um saying that they should really be getting along or whatever but the quote uh that i'm talking about in the video i'm talking about is she was addressing um the travel ban like you said and she had just said that uh C canadians shouldn't travel down there um or no a, a, a reporter asked her about the travel ban rather and then she said well she just gave word salad so she didn't come out in favor of the travel ban she just gave word salad about how trustworthy the transportation uh or the foreign affairs rather how, the, how that system works because she used to head it up and they're great people and she's just tweaking like a motherfucker the whole time she's blinking and doing the head yeah. thing and just like like hitler giving it a speeches man like she was high as a kite like she usually is but this was exceptionally bad and then just like yeah two minutes straight of a verbal diarrhea answer that did not answer the question in any way shape or form well until next week guys take care it's been great guys night night <laughs> cheers i learned a lot that's good one of us did <laughs> two <laughs>